hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and sadly... Abe is not here. It's the last week of these bonus episodes, and Abe's not here for it. He made he, four out of five ain't bad, though, I guess. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new, new movies weekly. However, uh, this whole October, this whole month of October, we've been doing these special bonus horror bu- episodes uh, where we've been talking about the different genres of horror um, and going in-depth on them and having uh, various recommendations. Uh, we started off with slasher films. We carried on with monster movies. We then jumped over to found footage flicks, and last week we did horror comedy. Now to wrap things all up, what better way to do that than going by the very end of the alphabet, the letter Z, which is for zombie. We are talking zombie movies this week. That is the final uh, episode of our of our genre specials, and uh, there's so many horror genres. We might be bringing back this uh, this idea for next year's uh, batch of horror themed episodes, but. Uh, Let's uh, let's get into this. Let's uh, let me get to my guests here, who are joining me today to talk about zombie movies. We have from Why So Blue and Flicks for Fans. There was no more room in hell, so he's here to talk with us today. It's Jason Coleman. Yes, I think I think actually that Abe and Jimmy, who are both not here, I think they ran because they knew I have zombie prowess. I have brains. <laughs> uh, also here from the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast. He was dead, but he got better. It's Colin Bricker. Uh... <coughs> Hi, how's it going? Okay, good to have you. <laughs> and lastly, from Weiss the Blue and, all, and the Colt Cinema Cavalcade podcast, once again, he's all out of Twinkies. It's Brandon Peters. Uh, yeah, I'm all out of Twinkies. What was the what was the damn other things they kept finding? Snowballs. Uh, snowballs. Snowballs! I got a plenty of snowballs. That was us. <laughs> I will not seamlessly edit that together. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this idiot we got talking about zombies. He's a big fan. Can't remember snowballs. Glad to have the three of you here today with me. Happy to be here. Yeah. Glad to be here. I'm okay with it. Okay, good. That's that's the attitude I really wanted to hear. It's like begrudgingly like, I'm good at this, I guess. So I'll join in. Uh, but no. Um, Send more podcasters. Obviously, obviously, yes. Abe is not here to join us, which is unfortunate because he's been on all these episodes so far. But, you know, again, four out of five ain't bad. Um, and, of course, sadly, Jimmy O, also, who's been on most of these podcast episodes, he wasn't able to make it with us today. But, of course, we do have our horror stalwarts, Brandon Peters, joining us again. And it's very, you know, glad to finally get Jason on this podcast. There's been a lot of scheduling difficulty making it hard. Yes. But he has been posting, doing... Uh, posting. I have on Why So Blue. I've been following you guys, you know, posting my on my Forgotten Friday flick, you know, keeping in, in tone with your uh, selections, with horror comedy, monsters, found footage, so which you may agree or disagree with, but I have uh, I was following you nevertheless. And uh, it's also glad to, good to have uh, Colin back as well. You know, you've been on a number of our podcast episodes so far. It's good to get on one of these uh, bonus uh, horror episodes. Yeah, I've mostly been on your your commentary, surprisingly. Um, uh, also, uh, some last minute uh, <laughs> questions, just like uh, this one, that didn't make any sense. It was a last minute request yes. for me to be on this. Okay. Just like the commentaries. Uh, I promise I, you, I'm not drunk. We're well, expecting, just... and that the two gentlemen from Cult Cavalcade. I'm expecting some real obscure titles coming, <laughs> from you guys. Man, I can't wait. Well, Whoa. get ready to be disappointed. Have you heard of <laughs> Have you heard of Night of the Living Dead? <laughs> Pump the brakes. Ah! <laughs> Hold on. 
<laughs> There's another one of these of the dead movies. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're talking about zombie movies this week, and uh, as uh, as always, uh, we want to before we get into kind of the individual picks that we've made, we want to we want to kind of define the genre. Now, obviously, a zombie movie. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's a movie with zombies in it. That seems like okay. So we got that out of the way. But I, I want us to to kind of delve into what 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 makes up a zombie movie. Uh, if you have any kind of general thoughts on that, and I want to start with Jason. Jason, what what what's like what's a zombie movie to you? Well, <clears throat> well, I mean, it, it, different elements of it have kind of been enhanced or changed over the years. But obviously, it started with uh, you know with Romero and and uh, he kind of laid down the groundwork, which are you know zombies are people that eat brains. They're 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 undead people that come back to life eating brains. Um, they're uh, you know uh, and and things have changed. You know, they used to be slow moving. They used to be ghoul. He described them as ghouls. Um, but you know, different people have you know kind of sped them up and. And that kind of thing. So I mean, it's but they're definitely you know an undead person crawls out of the grave and is they're looking for brains. Now w- w- at one point brains were were just dis- were given description as to why that was the the you know the uh, the appendage of choice for their eating habits. I remember it was in uh, Return of the Living Dead where they said you know eating brains it makes the pain go away, the pain of being dead. So we did get some. You know, clarification on that, but it was just that's what was in there. So, uh, I, although you, if you do look at Night of the Living Dead, you do see them eating other appendage pieces. Yeah, it's more of a cannibalistic thing in general. Yeah, like it, it, yeah. But I think brains started the focus. So, you know, so was, or, or clear started to clarify as things went on. So, but it's definitely you know it's an interesting genre, and uh, there's been definitely been. Um, um, you know, uh, great veers in terms of, you know, starting from Romero's groundwork and then going outward. So I want to jump to Colin. What what do you think makes like an effective zombie movie? Um, I would say hordes of them. That's one of the things that's so scary about zombies is unlike other monsters, there's just a, just a stupid amount of them usually. You know, like a, like a vampire movie. Uh, there's typically not too many. I mean, there's like a handful, which is scary, but Zombies is just this unrelenting wave of death and appetite coming at you, and it and it won't stop. And what's extra scary is if it catches you and it doesn't eat you enough. Guess what? Now you're part of the horde. Now you're another weapon coming at you know just people. I think that's just scary as hell. Um, yeah, that's 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 the thing that really defines. Well, one of the things that defines a zombie movie for me. All right. We'll get to Brandon now. I trying to find like individual questions. I thought that'd be a neat, a neat way to go. I, I guess we. I've never been a zombie before. Okay, that that was my question. So moving on. Uh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> what what makes a what, what makes what makes an effective like a, a a zombie creature to you when you see zombies? And we've had many over the course of the you know the various decades. Is there a, a preferred type of zombie that you look to as far as the kind of ideal? Um, I kind of like the. I'm not. A, I like the thought of the the slow moving one that you kind of see in the distance and you lose your attention with, and it kind of catches up to you without you knowing. Um, I do get the the intensity of the the running zombies, but I, I I'm more akin to the classic bit of zombies because they're they're so slow. They allow us to focus on the characters at hand that can really drive a zombie story and the dramas between them losing focus of these slow moving creatures coming to them that like Cullen said with like hordes that build up and these people are so focused on their lives and, and dramatics happening within a group that they're not noticing them build up to such a, such a big amount or, you know, losing focus of, of their protection and security. 
because they're too worried about what's going on with each other. And a lot of the, the best zombie movies, you know, focus on the social issues and and dynamics of a group with the zombies outside. I do like them looking, you know, like you could tell they were former humans mm-hmm. with the, with their appearance and just like a dead stare and just yeah. I mean, if you can you can make an effective looking zombie be the only one in the woods and still make a a, a creepy as hell story if it's done right. But I, I do like, I guess I prefer the slow-moving ones, the traditional ones. Okay. And uh, so now uh, I got some other more questions, but I want to, I want to, we've been doing this for a lot of these genres. This has been kind of fun. I want to kind of lay down the timeline of how, <laughs> how zombie movies have uh, come out and evolved over the, over the years that they've been in existence. Now, uh, uh, Jason, you, you mentioned Night of the Living Dead is obviously kind of a forebearer, you know, the, the godfather of zombie movies where you have the, you know, George A. Romero establishing a lot of, you know the 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 basic tropes that you associate with modern zombies, uh, right? As many are probably aware already. There's a, there's you know there's other movies that can be that be that can be for the Night of the Living Dead that have a you know, have some relative connection to zombies in general. I mean, obviously there's you know white zombies considered often you know it's the, like the fir- the earliest zombie movie, but it you know doesn't right. it doesn't go through like the same the same things that you think of when you think of a zombie movie there and there's many other movies that go all the way from the and that movie's from 1932 all the way up into 69 before uh night well, of the dead comes out yeah. yeah well there's last man on earth which is like the proto zombie yeah and that's basically movie, right yeah they're vampires but you know romero drew from that one <laughs> mm-hmm. right i think i think I, th- I think romero stands out to me just because it's it, it it almost became you know with again with slight adjustments it almost became like the bible where people were like no no yeah. this this is how it's supposed to be and it's it's really just something that he created so like out of nowhere he didn't write it down from a you know from a book he he created those things and that people went no 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 we have to like those things some of these things have to be in place for it to be a zombie movie is, yeah. I think it's fascinating which so. is neat because I, the the concept of, you know of an, an undead character coming back to life and terrorizing yeah. people that's a you know that's a that's a that's a that's a good idea for a horror film, and that's you know we've had several decades where they've kind of did that. But yeah, the idea of zombies generally associated with voodoo in some ways is where like mm-hmm. kind of zombieism kind of stems from, and as far as a level of culture goes. But you also get a number of something like Plan Nine from Outer Space, which is like <laughs> is technically like a zombie movie. Nice. It's just like has you know all kinds of weird stuff going on, or you know you get other random movies that kind of. Like you mentioned, Last Man on Earth, and I guess by default, Omega Man. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're moving, they're moving. I guess Omega Man's later, but um, they, well, they, I think yeah, yeah. I, I think what you know came that until I think it solidifies with Dawn of the Dead because between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, you get some zombie movies, but they're like you look at the Tombs of the Blind Dead movies are in there and if some other can. ones. Yeah, <laughs> and if they're um. <laughs> They're, they're they're kind of different, but then Don comes back and says, "No, this is the zombie movie." And then the Italians start knocking it off, and then that becomes what a zombie movie is because they start repeating what right. Romero does, right? And directly ripping off by well, renaming yeah, they, it, <laughs> right? They, I mean, they they you know rip off, but by having so many out there, it becomes the norm. And then we look at back at Night of the Dead and be like, "Okay, this is what started it." But you know, Dawn of the Dead kind of like hammers it down and says yeah no this is what it is and then that's the one that inspires people to to do it just like romero yes yeah, so right. like opposed to something like we talked about slasher films we talked about proto slashers as far as like psycho and uh Preeping tom goes among others and those are films where yeah they're not they're not nailing down specific trope they're not they're, they're not putting out certain tropes or just 
their early ideas that others would adopt later on to become things. But Night of the Living Dead, that does nail down the tropes. So I wouldn't necessarily call it a proto-zombie. I'd call it like, you know, the, the first. So I, I, I understand the suffixes or the prefixes the same. They both mean one. Yeah. But I mean, it's... Well, it's yeah. the first modern zombie movie. because yeah. It's like, the patient zero yeah, of zombie movies. There you go. That's, that, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, I think like you said, like th- these were kind of like uh, before uh, Night of the Living Dead, they were like... Like like Haitian or uh, like like voodoo kind of movies where it was just like someone they just like take over uh, the mind of someone so they're they're brain dead basically they're just walking around taking commands from you know whomever but it wasn't really until Night of the Living Dead where like no these people aren't brain dead they are dead and they're coming back so to go along with this timeline I'm trying to establish we have like from the 30s to late 60s we have like, super proto-zombie movies. Then we get to <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, we can call Patient Zero. I like this. I like that one. Then we go through another another phase of essentially kind of a, a su- sub-proto-zombie movies between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, you can get is like, a, you know, that, and that's what, 78? You know, that's like, there you go. This is this is what zombie movies should be. And then, so then we get, you know, we get the stage kind of from the from then up into through a lot of the 80s, guys, right? Like, a, probably through like like the mid mid eighties, there was a ton of different kinds of zombie movies coming mm-hmm. up between Return of mm-hmm. the Living Dead, um, other things that we'll probably mention that I don't want to call attention to right now necessarily, uh, but just a lot of stuff in there that's you know zombie focused. Before the 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 uh, the genre, it kind of dies out. Right? I mean, there's still lots of stuff coming, but mm-hmm. uh, but it's interesting. But it's interesting. You know what I always found interesting about Romero's early stuff is that is that it reminded me of like the stuff that Verhoeven Paul Verhoeven did with Ed Newmar when they did like RoboCop or Starship. Uh-huh where you can get the surface stuff. You can get just a horror movie about zombies that eat people. You know, it's there. If that's all you're looking for, it's there. But there's this really wonderful underlining social commentary in, the, in those early films yes. that, that that's there that I mm-hmm. think sometimes people don't realize is there or they don't realize the importance of why that's kind of cool in there. And so there's a lot of, you do get a lot of zombie movies after that, that kind of, including some of Romero stuff, that that are just kind of very surfacey and, you know, don't don't completely get, I think, why some of those movies resonated so much beyond just being gore fests and i think yeah, well, the, the, yeah yeah i was gonna say like night of the living dead like originally it wasn't like a social commentary at all it was just that they just happened to cast um yeah they just happened to cast him but they didn't cast him because he was black he's just he was just a really good actor and right. just from that, like the social commentary just was just woven into the movie that's completely unintentional. But then you watch it's like, how did no one notice this? This is fantastic. It's one thing to say it's one thing to say unnoticed, but I think there is a there there there, there is like a subconscious understanding of what because you know Romero's, oh, yeah, yeah. Romero's writing this. I mean, he's and you know you draw from a lot of different things. While you know obviously it's not like an actor in mind when he was writing out a screenplay for this thing. You know, you you're putting together a cinematic vision. Regardless if you're conscious of what you're doing or not, there's always a lot of kind of outside influence coming into effect mm-hmm. what you're, you know, doing. I, I, and I, yes, I and I've certainly, you know, read the same things as, as far as Dwayne Jones just being cast because he's, you know, he was the best actor of the bunch as far as casting that character. But you know, he look if Romero's looking back at this movie, I wouldn't put it past him to think, well, I got I 
I got I got something here. Like I got something here that goes <laughs> a little bit beyond what I initially intended. It made and also the I, the idea of zombies versus humans, like who's worse, who's you know what I mean. So you've got that at the end, sort of tying in the movie, going, mm-hmm. hey, you know, you've got zombies, they're eating people, but you've also got these people who are just like killing, you know, with 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 you know with wild abandon. So who right. is the monster? So yeah, I mean, he, he was he was he was exploring even a little bit. He, of that sense. he plays that up more, especially in the the next two movies, definitely. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it even Land of the Dead. I would. I mean, there's. It's still. It's more. It's oh yeah. More, it's it's, yes. compl- it's much much less subtle. And that's not, <laughs> that's not a movie I dislike. But I mean, it's certainly you know it has its it has its its foibles. Yeah. Uh, they could have just called that people are jerks. Yeah. They could have just called it that. But as but as that, that's basically the whole series. But as Jason, you're saying, I mean, yeah, it's obviously you know you, the civil rights movement's not a not necessarily an implied factor of what was going right. on. But yes, the there. You're, there's clearly a, a level of there's there's thematic material unrelated to the color of these characters that yeah. plays a role in what these movies are trying to accomplish, and that's Definitely. and that's really what I like about zombie movies. I'm a huge zombie movie fan, uh, especially you know the, especially the ones that play off kind of deeper levels. Uh, mm. There's there's a lot that are just kind of like hey that was fun and we put some great makeup together and what have you. And I you know I appreciate the filmmakers for doing what they do, but I I respond the best to these ones. You know the, Romero's of the dead of the living dead films and the, the other ones that again we'll probably get to over the time here and just what and ones that really kind of respond to the the era that they come out in and so you know for as we're going through this timeline as you know we established night of the living dead we established dawn of the dead you had get a lot of these ones in the 80s there's there's not a ton that really feel like a response to anything which is why there's there's not a there's not a ton that I really like beyond surface value there's some I like more than others because that surface value is really really damn good but yeah, I mean, once you get to, you basically get to what, like 1990 when they remake Night of the Living Dead and the genre kind of goes away for a while, right? Right. I mean, there's, there's, right. there's you get stuff Return here. of the Living Dead 3, but then that's like one of the sole movies in that decade, cool. zombie movies in that decade. They don't, they don't come out, I mean, until, you know, 28 days later is when. Well, I mean, let's be fair. Return of the Living Dead 3 and Weekend at Bernie's 2 is the one-two punch of zombie movies that year. <laughs> right. <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Well, that's because they included that voodooism in part two. Exactly, they me. went back. They, they, <laughs> they, they went to bring it back. They went. They went old school on zombie movies with that one. <laughs> Andrew McCarthy's finest hour, as I always say. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, <laughs> so I you're laughing because like, you're thinking about Weekend at Bernie's too. It's that funny. Uh, yeah, you can't uh, help but laugh. It, 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 I'm pretty sure it probably says nonstop laughs, even if they're undead. Hashtag Gene Shalit. I'm pretty like it says that like right on there. But I mean, <laughs> he said that about a lot of movies, though. To be fair, yeah, it was about himself referring to the dead part. That was a thing. Uh, he was dead. He was dead inside I, the whole the whole time. That was. The, I'm dead inside. This movie brought me to life. <laughs> Great impression. <laughs> but uh, so so we move move into the 2000s and it's essentially 28 days later that yeah. movie really brings the genre back even though Which we, everyone but danny boyle would tell you is a zombie movie and the, you know, the ones that seem to want to fiercely protect the boyle identity so that's the next question i want to ask what do you think of a movie like 28 days later and others that have people that are infected infected or you know they're they're not themselves and they they follow this kind of a, a drove of, of sorts as opposed to you know be operating on their own free will 
do, do you consider that to be a zombie movie? Is there a factor that separates that for you, or what? Twenty Eight Days Later is the, is 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 quintessential zombie movie because even though the the zombies are fast moving, he still he still instills that underlining meaning in his movie, and that I think we have like uh you know the American studios to thank for that movie because he had such a bad time with the beach, Danny Boyle, that he said forget this, and he left, and he went back to England, and he made two movies. He made. Um, Millions, which was a kids movie, and he made 28 Days Later. And 28 Days Later is fantastic. It's a great piece of work with a whole steeping, heaping pile of social commentary to it. So it's 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 great work, man. In that regard, though, do you? I mean, I, I, so so you consider it a zombie movie? Would you you would say it's a zombie movie? Absolutely, yeah. Do you have? I, I consider it a, a zombie movie because you know uh, there, there's Resident Evil, and that is. Uh, zombies through a virus mm-hmm. and people say that that argue that it 28 days later isn't a zombie movie is because like oh it's an outbreak uh movie is like because like, well, because well, no one's technically dead i mean that's the that's the argument i think it's hmm. like they're they're just infected but they're not they're not they didn't come back to life well we don't know they could have but died someone instantly. who gets bit no by one... a zombie isn't you know they become a zombie yeah exactly they're they're, they're spreading it through bites through through attacks, a drop of blood, anything, mm-hmm. right. it, it's spreading that way. You know, like in Resident Evil and other zombie movies. So Again, they, yeah, go ahead. They, they, we, they don't like um like die and then come back like a like a few minutes later or or whatever. But no one's taken their pulse. No one can get close to these things. We don't know if they're dead. Who the hell knows what's going on with these things? That that's never explained to us. I don't think it's really that pivotal. I guess. I would prefer if they were dead, but man, movie's awesome. Who cares? It's a zombie movie. Well, it's funny, yeah. yeah like you, you mentioned there are adjustments. It, well, because the zombie, you know, for one thing, none of these things are real. So it's like I, I like that there's this kind yeah. of debate that goes on between people of like, well, this isn't a zombie because, and I'm like, what, what does it matter? It's a movie. They can have their own rules. And it's easy. It's funny how it, that's easier to define with like a vampire movie because vampire movies. All of them play around of their various rules. Not no vamp, very few vampire movies are exactly the same as each other, unless they're in like a, within like a franchise or something like that. But you know, when it comes down to it, people seem to understand when a vampire is a vampire, regardless of what the rules are and how they shift in different universes. Zombie movies, for whatever reason, seem to have this kind of different understanding when it comes to pe- when it comes to a lot of people, where they like, nope, this clearly can't be a zombie movie because of X or Y. It's like, does that? I'm of the sense that, yes, I, I agree. Yes, 28 Days Later, it's very clearly a zombie movie to me, along with other various movies that will probably come up in some way that we're talking about. Well, I think Romero's perpetuated that a little bit because he does kind of come out and comment on why he thinks things are zombie movies and why they're not. And since he is sort of considered the the granddaddy of who created all of these rules, I, I think that has a lot to do with shaping why certain people who just, you know, consider those movies the Bible consider, you know, um, you know, consider things to be zombie movies and not to be. Because I, I don't think I don't think a lot of vampire people who started the vampire whatever come out and sort of talk about it and stuff. So there's room to breathe. Whereas I think Romero is very pretty vocal and not always not always and I don't always always agree with what he's saying. So but well, I mean, if if um, if if Bram Stoker and um, right, right. and um, what's his face? Um, uh, Robert, uh, uh, Robert Pattinson, Ro- Ro- Richard Matheson, <laughs> <laughs> want to like come out and tell me what they think vampires are? They so close. I mean, <laughs> so, but, but I mean that. 
that makes me think of something like Brandon. You just reviewed the the Thing Blu-ray not too long ago, correct? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's you know there's a whole interview segment involving uh, John Carpenter and who's the other who's the other person? It's one Nick Garris. Nick Garris, who says people don't talk about ET anymore for some yeah, reason. Yeah. There's the and it's kind of comes and, and Carpenter kind of like nods as if like he agrees. It's kind of a thing where it's like. I don't. I'm, I get that you're like the guy. You're, you know, you're the godfather of this thing or what have you. But I, I don't need to go along with every single thing you say about what is and what isn't a part of a genre. <laughs> uh, mm. it, it starts to come down to like, well, that just seems like a crouchy old man making right. you know rules about things. I, right. I mean, that's that seems like the same logic of like, you know, uh, Johnny Storm can only be white. Like that's what I feel like when it comes down to like hearing mm-hmm. certain things. Like there's right. there's a lot of room to breathe because again, these are just it's, you know it's fictional media and. There's a lot of ways to, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways to, you know, to take a genre in order to keep it fresh or what have you. And I think something like 28 Days Later, regardless of the origin of, you know, said virus and how the, the monsters in these movies, um, you know, what, the, you know, the nature of them, it follows it follows a, a pattern or an understanding that clearly keys into what makes up the, the core of a zombie movie. Anyway, it's, as far as the, this timeline goes, so yeah, 28 Days Later really kind of kickstarts things again. Yeah, you mentioned the Resident Evil, which is a franchise that's still going for whatever reason. And um, you, we get a number of other things. We get we get um, we a lot of straight-to-video movies. We get a lot of straight-to-video yeah. movies. Thing. We get, we get the we... House of the Dead. Whoa. I saw that wow. in theaters. Former, <laughs> former filmmaker Uwe Boll. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yes. I saw featuring, I featuring Jürgen Prook now on a turntable. Yep. And, and, I mean, and, and those got, that got put in theaters because <laughs> oh, of yes, the it success did. of Dawn of the Dead and 20 Days Later. I mean, that's that's why that thing hit theaters. And I saw, wow. I saw it opening day in theaters. I was like, wow. yeah, why not? <laughs> it was, oh, man. This is, that's, probably, that's still probably my favorite Uwe Boll film <laughs> to its credit. A video game movie with actual scenes from the video game in it. Oh. Yes. It worked oh. out. Oh. It worked out. <laughs> When I say favorite, I mean that's the one I can tolerate. That's <laughs> correct. Correct. Although it did humor me when down the years down the road there was a DVD release of the 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 comedy version that made me laugh quite a bit. Oh. Like, oh, that wasn't what I saw in theaters. He knew it. He did a new cut of the film that was the comedy version. Uh, I assume there's a lot of like like pie fights and stuff like that, right? Yeah, a lot of Peter Sellers jokes. It's great. Uh, <laughs> Uh, among the when the upon the resurgence of the zombie genre, George A. Romero came out of his shell as well, and he started making more zombie movies, which um, which was exciting at first. It was exciting. Yeah, it at was. First, and and yeah. then it, and then Diary of the Dead came out, yeah. and uh, we've talked about that on this podcast already. And then everyone um, got sad. Yeah. yeah. Um. And what the years went on with these things, and once again, we're still getting zombie movies. Actually, I mean, it hasn't mm-hmm. really gone away I mean, it's there's it seems like there's less of a surge of them compared to stuff we're getting now especially you know mainstream theater releases well thanks we have, to all these zombie TV movies too. yes i was gonna say we have multiple yeah. zombie shows right now <clears throat> right right yeah and uh, you know uh, the, the most popular is of course the walking dead which is based off of comic series a comic book that's been running since 2003 which is the same year that 28 days later came out or a year after 28 days later came out but uh at the, yes you have what i zombie um there was Z one Nation. on Sci-Fi Z Channel, Nation. yeah. Yeah. Fear the yeah. Walking Dead. Fear, yeah. the, yes, Fear the Walking Dead. The the I would still uh, even even for Walking Dead, I would still put up the first the pilot, the first two hours directed by Frank Darabont. I would put that up as a standalone kind of movie because I remember watching that first that pilot, that first two hours, and 
being really blown away and thinking if this whole show is like this two hours, it's going to be good. Because he did he did another uh, the another thing that I I don't see that often, which is in that first episode, which is he he made the zombie he humanized the zombies and he made you have empathy and created actual characters out of the zombies that you remember, as opposed to just being a horde or just being a cool zombie with a, with a, with a creepy eye hanging off or whatever. Like there was two very specific zombies in that thing that had an emotional connection in that first pilot. So I would say that that, you know, no matter where you sort of stand on later stuff of the walking dead, that first two hours, I think is a really good piece of work. Oh well, yeah. I, and I agree. I, I do think there's a, a number of, very big highlights of that series, a series that I do co-host a pod, the Walking Dead TV podcast and talk about and write about weekly at the youngfolks.com. I write about every episode of the Y, and I'm a huge fan of the comic book. I mean, there's, I have this sort of, I wouldn't say it's a love-hate relationship because I still overall like the show. I just think it has a lot of ebbs and flows to it. But yeah, what you're, what you're saying, Jason, is essentially why, what makes me like the comic book to begin with, let alone other related things such as the Telltale Walking Dead game, is that it... It is a it ha- Frank Darabont had to make this into a series, and yeah. by ad- adapting that first the you know the first essentially the first um, issue of the Walking Dead, the first couple issues of the Walking Dead into that episode, it establishes why this is a thing that will go on longer than a zombie film, because yeah. the the whole purpose of this book is that it's a continuing story of survival, as it says on the back of every single issue of these things. Like it it wants to let you have these characters and have them exist in the world of undead where you, yes, you do create like a level of empathy, obviously for the humans, but the, you know, you can see various characters that come in and out of the series that will have different emotional connections to maybe some of the walkers, maybe some of the other characters, maybe a lot of different things that are going on. And I mean, yeah, it's a very successful pilot for that reason. And it obviously Mm -hmm. captured the attention of many audiences because walking dead continues to be like one of the most popular shows on cable. So, and I think that pretty much brings us up to the present as far as zombie media is concerned and whatnot. I mean, we get various movies here and there still. And uh, what would we, what, what we get most recently? Well, we got The Train to Busan, which I still haven't seen. But Jason, you saw that, right? Oh, man. I, I, and I'll take that off my list now. But yeah, that would I would say for the for the well, the beauty of Train to Busan was that it was what World War Z should have been. So the idea is. These horde, you know, I remember Colin was talking about hordes of zombies, and that's kind of scary. It's scary. It's scary if it's done right. And I always felt like World War Z. It just wasn't scary. Like the part where World War Z got scary was when near the end, when it was more individualized zombies. Then it got kind of scary for me. Other than that, I was just like, I was bored. Trey Dubasson really does hordes of zombies wonderfully like it really it's a great south korean film came out um this year and it's it's a fantastic piece of work so if you get a chance to see it that's a total hidden gem if you want to see what hordes of zombies in a scary creative awesome way can do that's the movie well that's a question that i want to bring up before we get to our picks here then what is it that you look for in a zombie movie because i and i'll answer this question first because i want to um i I don't. I don't necessarily think of a zombie movie as something that's going to scare me. Now, there's certainly zombie movies that have scared me. The wreck films fucking wrecked me. I mean, that's yeah. but um, yeah. the 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 nature of zombie movies, I tend to be more attracted to because of getting a chance to you know watch a bunch of characters deal with an unstoppable force. Um, and that's why. I, that's why. For one thing, that's why the Romero's, uh, you know, of the dead films, those work for me really well because I'm not. You know, there's a, there's a, you know, it's fun to see Tom Savini's effects in the later films, and it's even a, you know, a visceral thrill of seeing, 
the Night of the Living Dead zombies attack, you know, get into that whole situation where they're, you know, eating intestines and whatnot. That's something that's like, oh, that's gross, but hey, what about But, like, getting to see a bunch of characters interact with each other, forming, you know, building up a lot of, you know, boy, boy, uh, to a boiling point and getting a lot of tension out there, or having various interactions, or just an understanding of what the world is like. That's what that's what generally interests me about these kind of movies. And uh, clearly, you're, you're not as big, Jason. You're not as big on World War Z as I might be. Now, that's not a movie I consider to be perfect by any means, but I do think there was a lot going on there that I was interested in. Like I, the end, the the end I found to be the weakest as far as kind of what it was showing me on a narrative level, just because it felt like I've seen this before. And I, I get the effectiveness as far as seeing a contained area and getting a level of tension out of that. That's good. But I did find, I did like this. I, I enjoyed seeing the kind of a treating something like this as this kind of epidemic and how, how that, how that played, especially having been a fan of the Max Brooks book, I was very curious how an adaptation of a film would work that way. And while it throws the book out pretty much completely, I, I was, I was, I was intrigued by how they were going about doing it. That it did right. kind of excite me through it. Um, right. Well, there's a, that's why I think I think trailers. I think it's right up your alley because it it, it has that same kind of. Because I know when I first saw trailers for uh, World War Z, the the idea of the horde and it t- toppling over at each other, I thought, oh, that's going to be great. But it just it just didn't affect me. It didn't really do anything for me when I saw the movie. But in Train to Busan, it does. So I think that well, one's going to be right up your alley. Whenever someone tells me about a great zombie movie to check out, I certainly you know perk my ears up and think, oh, good, because I really, as again, I really love zombie movies. So that's on my. You're getting that on your Christmas list for me. All right. <laughs> but before we get to our picks, guys, do you have any thoughts on like what what is it that attracts you to a zombie movie? Is it the thrills or is it anything else? Uh, I think you can say it like a, but in any period really, and it and it works. It can be the backdrop for your your horror. It's um because you're usually the horror. Is really between the interaction of the people and the dire situation. It's kind of like, it's like the vanilla ice cream of horror that you can put it any kind of crazy combination of flavors with it, and chances are it's going to turn out pretty well. Jane Austen be... and zombies. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that movie, but I didn't this in zombies. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I, try, I tried to read the book, and I could not do it. I saw the trailers, and I said, I will not be watching this movie. But it, it was better than I thought it would be. That was... Yeah. But, but, you know, exactly. You can put any kind of just wacky combination with zombies. Like, okay, well, I guess that will work. Because all you need are people and death, which are constants. So it, it, it works beautifully. For me, you know, I'm looking over the list of the movies I got here because you could easily go, oh, social commentary or or blood and guts or, you know, I, I for me, I mean, looking over the list that I got, I think it's just originality, you know, just taking the various ideas in any, you know, way, shape or fashion and, and creating something original and interesting or, or just an interesting take on maybe what we've seen before or whatever. So it's something original, man, something that catches my eye. Well, yeah, I would certainly add those ideas to the reasons I like them, too. Yeah, obviously having a layer of social commentary is why. I- is is what I like the most in my zombie movies, as far as yeah. if where I had to rank them, it's kind of that's a big part of the reason why. And yeah, having originality, I think all of us would agree that that's a huge factor in any movie. Um, um, if if I'm not if I'm not getting that or good characters, I at least want uh like old school cheesy practical gore effects at a consistent rate to keep me going. <laughs> nice. I will I will take I will take that if I can't get that. But that's what I, I ultimately want. But if you can, on an exploitative level, you know, 
comp for that to some degree, then I can enjoy that once in a while. All right. A nice bag of uh, Doritos every once in a while. <laughs> well, on that note, and that note being a nice bag of Doritos every once in a while, let's uh, move into our uh, our picks um, for uh, our recommendations or whatever. As we've been doing on these shows, we we each have a, a list of uh, films that we want to put a spotlight on. Now, these lists, I'm going to ask each of you, you know, how you got went about to construct your list in some way, and. As I said before, these aren't lists that are, you know, they're not necessarily ranked. They're not necessarily our favorites. They're not necessarily, you know, the epitome of what the genre has to offer. They're just more films we wanted to put a, a spotlight on because why not? And um, I'm, I'm going to start this one off this week, um, mainly because I mentioned this film. It's just, my show and I'll start it. I, <laughs> I mentioned this film briefly last week when we talked about uh, horror comedies. And I said I, I didn't want to go too far into it because I wanted to mention it here. And it's uh, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. Nice. Um, yeah. I, I am a huge fan of Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, and I, I you know, before Shaun of the Dead, um, put that tagline, you know, rom com zom in there, or, or zom rom com, whatever order it puts it in. I, I this this movie <laughs> really does a number on what a romantic comedy with zombies should be about. It this is um, Peter Jackson at his kind of horror horror best, where he's going all out with kind of gore effects yet he still has the kind of the personal touch that would that like goes to make him you know a really strong writer director um you have the you have the story of a young man who lives with his mother and he just you know he pines for the local shop girl and while he wants to make that work crazy things happen because of you know as you know as always a diseased rat from an island somewhere that comes over and makes zombies out of things <laughs> like it and the <laughs> In addition to just having this kind of wacky love story going on and, you know, a bit of a riff on Psycho as far as the kind of boy and his mother type situation, there's just this insane zombie movie that has used to have, like, the record for some of, like, the most, like, gore ever in a film or something like that. And the use of it is so, like, creative. There's so many, like, different crazy things going on in this movie. I I just, I'm I'm astounded every time I kind of watch it just because it... I remain, I you know, it's from what ninety two, and I, yep. it's just great to see just so much innovative usage of various effects to to make this movie really come alive, especially in the you know the third act when just all hell breaks loose and there's just you know, want to talk about hordes of zombies. There's just hordes of zombies all over this little New Zealand town, and <laughs> there's a whole. I think we even made made reference to this, but there's like a whole sequence where um, uh, Lionel like goes to the park with this like zombie baby thing, and. <laughs> it, it came as a re- it came as a result of Peter Jackson like they basically they finished the movie early and under budget and they're like well we can do something like this and so they just like took like a day and filmed this like crazy sequence of like Lionel going through the park with his baby thing and walking it around it's, and it's like one of the fun it's like one of the funniest things Peter Jackson's ever done in a movie there's just there's just so, so many highlights in Dead Alive I, I absolutely love it oh listen it, yeah I'm I'm thrilled that you're bringing up you know past Peter Jackson because most people that I talk to you know that that uh, that go into the the Lord of the Rings stuff I said oh you've seen Peter Jackson's early stuff right they're like what are you talking about I'm like you know Dead Alive Bad Taste all the yeah. great stuff and they're like no I've never even heard of that and I was like oh man you're missing yeah. out so that's a that's a great one I'm glad you're highlighting that it's there a, are yeah. two completely different Peter Jacksons. Like, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's fun Peter Jackson, and then there's current Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's what I want. I, I like. I really wanted to take on some random like little project. Just and I, I think I mentioned this last week too, or a week ago, where like like Sam Raimi did when he took Drag Me to Hell, just like something yeah, that puts him yeah. back uh, to his roots. Like yeah. coming back, giving us a low five, and then going back to do what he, you know, his prestige stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, it, he's done with the Tolkien stuff, hopefully. So, like, and I, huh. you know, I was really looking forward to the Lovely Bones, but I think he really messed that up. And it's just like, where, where's yeah. the Peter Jackson I know that could just do some madcap craziness? Because I'd like, and ideally Tintin could hopefully get him at least close to something like that again. Because for one thing, I really like Tintin. And another, I'd really like to see him finally, you know, do the his Tintin movie, just like Spielberg did his. Cash in on that deal, Peter. Um, but, I mean, yeah, the, the kind of, yeah, the, as Jason D said, the, the early days of Jackson were, oh. yeah, bad taste. Uh, meet, the, meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. Like Insanity. The, yeah. Right. Heavenly creature. I'm kidding. But, uh, I mean, there's just. Right. <laughs> Heavenly there's, creatures from is, Peter Jackson. It is really good, but I mean, still. Uh, but, yeah, bra- brain dead or, or dead alive, depending on, you know. Your, your country of choice that you're in. Um, just a, a fantastic movie that really shows just how off the wall Peter Jackson can be as a filmmaker. Let's um, let's go to Brandon next. Uh, I'm going to go more recent uh, with a, a film I championed uh, many years ago called uh, The Battery. Oh. It's, uh, yeah, from, from you know lots of zombies to minimal. But this one's a really... I really took to this one uh, about... It's about two like minor league baseball players that are, you know, left alone in this zombie apocalypse wandering around where one of them has like fully bought into this post-apocalyptic world, post-apocalyptic world that they're in. And the other is, you know, he's afraid to kill zombies. He's not, you know, into it at all, but it follows them through, you know, their daily routines of, you know, going from houses, getting, you know, supplies, things like that. And just living the world. And the one's very, very kind of not really bullyish to the other, but he really wants, you know, him to be on the same page uh, as the one that, you know, that's hesitant to kill. And um, it's really just them, the whole movie. There's some interesting, there's some interesting stuff within a zombie movie that answers questions that you don't really think about. And it has some good humor and it's got a really intense sequence uh, with them trapped in the back of a station wagon with a horde of zombies, just not going away and continually beating on the car and one thing I like about it is this is a super, super, super low-budget zombie movie, but it's incredibly effective. I mean, they, they, you know, they don't, you know, have a lot of money, but man, they, they made a really good, um, believable, and effective zombie film, and it's I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, this is uh, one you've talked about a couple times, and I've still yet to yeah. see it. I know it's it has like a. A, a screen factory release right it does yeah they picked it up uh it had some streaming releases on demand to play played some festivals but I, I had heard some you know buzz about it and, and i finally got when i finally got to see it, i was like holy crap this is this is really good um but it's yeah it's a small movie but super effective and it just it's two dudes and they you know they come across zombies and stuff and they have it in like a super intense sequence in the movie that's just you know, very like life puts you in there with them in the situation. It almost feels like, and yeah, I, it's a high recommend for me on the zombie front. Very cool. Let's uh, let's get to uh, Jason next. What's your first pick here? Mm, my first pick is actually what's going to end up on Forgotten Friday flick this week. It's called Cemetery Man oh. uh, with Rupert yeah. Everett. Yeah, I remember. You know, and it's funny because I remember back in my Joe Blow days, this was a movie that I had reviewed on uh, Anchor Bay had come out with a release of it. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the only thing I remember at the time about Rupert Everett was he was kind of playing these very flamboyant kind of uh, uh, characters in like, you know, like the second fiddle to like Julia Roberts and those movies and stuff like that. So 
But here was this movie about, you know, a guy who's very much a ladies' man, a Lothario, and he kind of um, uh, um, oversees this cemetery where people, you know, um, uh, you know, get buried. And then like a few, you know, so whatever it was, seven days later, whatever, they come, they come back out. And uh, his job is kind of just to monitor the cemetery. Terry and re-kill the people that uh, that uh, that come out of the graves, and it's 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 a total throwback to the kind of you know uh, you know Italian kind of you know flicks um, you know with, the, with, with yeah yeah with the gore and the and the, and and that kind of stuff, but you know very over the top, very visually you know kind of uh, you know the grade B cheese stuff. It's it's really a great piece of work, and Rupert is so fantastic in it. You totally believe he's like this Lothario ladies' man, awesome guy, and uh, even the director, uh, uh, I'm trying to say his last name correctly, but it's Michelle Solvi. He he had worked with both Fucci and Argento, so um, you know, the, 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 the stamp of them is all over that movie, but it's, it's you know, it's definitely, you've got some romance, you've got some dark stuff you got you got a lot of great gore and he even has like a uh you know an igor kind of henchman that goes around with him um uh named uh nagi and uh it's just it's a fun piece of work man and it, it it's got everything uh that you would expect from a great zombie movie uh it doesn't have the underlining social con- well there's a little bit maybe near the end but i won't spoil anything but it's it's definitely a a, a fun you know little hidden gem that uh, i don't think a lot of people know about and and uh, it's a shame because i think rupert everett is so good in it man i would have liked to have seen him do more stuff like that all right let's uh, get to cullen cullen what's your first movie here uh, I'm going to. Uh, I have a feeling that my list will be much more mainstream than your than the list of uh, all your lists. There, um, my first pick is uh, Dawn of the Dead from 2004. That's on my list. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Good. I'm not a complete dummy. That makes me feel better. Thank you. Well, now I gotta move one. Now I gotta move something around. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry if I if I sniped it from you. No, but... you're fine. No, I'm, I'm not, again. I have no problem with any overlaps. That just makes it fun. Okay, but uh, I I had to to say this one because it is uh, one of my favorite zombie movies. Period. Uh, I'm a huge James Gunn fan. I'm I'm kind of a James Gunn hipster because I I liked him before you know uh, Guardians you of like, the Galaxy. You, you liked you know? his trauma days. I yeah. I did. I Trio I own Juliet. <laughs> I own Tromeo and Juliet. Nice. I've watched uh, PG porn. Uh, I haven't seen the specials, which I actually I feel bad that I haven't seen that. But um, but no, I love I love James Gunn, and I was super excited when this movie came out. It was uh, I think one week it was um, uh, Scooby Doo two, and then I think the next week was Dawn of the Dead. He wrote both of them. Um, maybe the, the order was the other way around, but whatever. I believe it, it was like a week after the Passion. It was like we after the passion came out. Yeah, but it was just they were just stupid close together. It was it was so excited. Um, but this movie has really about everything that you would want uh, from a, a zombie movie. Like you know, like I said before, hordes of of, of zombies. Uh, but it also has uh, people in this ridiculous situation figuring out how are we going to survive, and they take very. As, as practical as they can in this fantastic situation, they you know they they take unorthodox means to uh, survive, and uh, eventually you know they realize like we can't sustain our life living in a mall. We have to to venture out, and they have to you know it goes from bad to worse, and that that's another thing I actually really like in zombie movies, um, like when they when they escape the 
or try to escape the mall. It, it's done so not because, okay, we're ready. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, someone screwed up. The zombies are coming now. We have to leave now. And as they're going through... Uh, the streets that they're literally just flooded with zombies. Like they can barely move the vehicles. And it's just such a crazy dire situation. It's got some great scares in it. Like um, we see like a, a legless zombie using it's like only its arms to, you know, like um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like monkey barring his way through the parking garage. Or <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. And that's exactly what it is. Like I've never seen that before. And it just, you know, just, leaps on them and starts attacking and holy crap it's just um i like i said it's really just one of the best zombie movies i think ever made and everything that you want from a zombie movie is in it i saw dawn of the dead the Zack snyder version four times in theaters i was really uh, a big fan of this movie it came out of nowhere for me it had a great trailer it sold me right mm-hmm. away as far as like like I remember like the trailer even had like zombie like hands on the on the screen at one point or like make you think like they're in the theater with you like it was just really going to all out with the advertisement and I thought it did you know being a huge fan of Dawn of the Dead the original Dawn of the Dead which is one of my favorite movies of all time um you know I was like all right let's let's see what they have to offer with this thing and I was just I mean I was so happy with the the kind of the different direction they took with this film because you know you could have easily just I mean, not easily, but you know, you remake Dawn of the Dead, it's like, oh, that's that one where they're in the mall. And they basically do that, but instead of making it kind of like a horror movie that takes a lot of time to kind of live live with these people as they live in this universe, it becomes this kind of action movie. And while it still, you know, it follows some basic beats of the original, it's really its own thing. And that's, I think, the best way they could have done something like this. They kind of make it its own thing. How did you know? Don't try to like redo the characters or whatnot. Just kind of give you similar situations. You know, in a mall, zombies exist, that kind of thing. But like, really amp it up. And while I don't, like, I'm with Brandon as far as like I prefer slower zombies. I, I really was into kind of the the take they had on this version of the undead, where it's like it's the new millennium, so we got fast zombies now. And I, I just really, you know, that along with a great cast. I mean, you have Sarah Polly, Ving Rhames, Mackay Pfeiffer. Uh, uh, Michael Kelly, who's now on House of Cards, but I remember as you know as the Dick security guard in Dawn of the Dead. Like, right. it's just a, a and same yeah. with uh, what's his name, Ty Burrell, who's you know the father on Modern Family. Yeah. He's just like he's like the right. dick. he's the he's the asshole guy in the mall. That That's how I think of him comments. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I watch Modern Family, I just think, oh man, I love Dawn of the Dead. And I wish I was watching that guy. And there's even room for uh, uh, Max Headroom to come in here. Like, there's just a lot of great stuff in this movie. <laughs> I will say that I agree with Tarantino that the first, I, I can't remember if it's 15 or 20 minutes, that whole opening sequence, that whole thing uh-huh. before the film, I think is some of the best film work in a, in a, in a film that, that I've ever seen. I was Well, that Sarah Pauly driving cap- scene was yeah, awesome. Captivated by that whole opening sequence. Just really was like, wow, it, this is a great piece of work. It, it sets that world up so well that like, all right, you went to bed. Now the world is in completely different. You don't know why. It's just, you're in a terrible situation figure out what to do now there's a there's a great tracking shot where she gets in the car and one of my favorite angles when it comes to like filming cars is having a camera directly behind like on the trunk essentially so it has that great like it has the 
her zombie husband or whatever, like, like he's, he's on the hood, then he gets off, you see him get up, and, you know, it's all following her car, but you see him, like, run over, and then he, like, runs to a neighbor and attacks him, and, but you're still, like, following off the car. There's just a lot of, like, really fun, clever stuff there. It's, and it, you know, this was Zack Snyder's first film, and he really came out swinging with this one. Yeah. I like the part where Ving Rames is sitting over ready to shoot that zombie, and it goes, Martha! And he's like, why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, Dawn of the Dead, yeah, that, it's, I, I agree with you, Colin. I think it's a really, really strong entry as far as kind of zombie cinema goes, as far as, you know. Well, it, it was the one that followed 28 Days Later, and it yeah. was just like, boom, bam! Like, it was a, like, yeah. bump set spike. It was huge. So, like, you thought that was good. Get this. Yeah, it was, oh, man. You know that new zombie you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs> it's your cousin, Phil Romero. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, oh, is it my turn again? Uh, here we go. My next pick is um, a short film. Because it is Michael Jackson's Thriller. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk, we talk about, you know, obviously feature-length zombie films or what have you, but John Landis put together a pretty damn good short film in the form of Michael Jackson's Thriller music video, which is, of course... Still works. It still works. You know, it's... I was talking about this with my lovely girlfriend. We were watching the, the Thriller video, and I was thinking, like... You know, music videos hadn't been around for that long when Thriller came out. You know, this is back in, what, 82? And somehow, Michael Jackson just knew what he was doing, and it's, you know, this is still, like, it, it feels like it peaked here. Like, you know, we're, what, like, what, 40 years in, like, having music yeah. and TV and music video and stuff? And no, it is absolutely the best music video ever I mean, ever there's, made. there's nothing that's topped this, which is, like, ridiculous, right? I mean, <laughs> the concept of music videos seems so amazing, and certainly there have been a lot of great music videos, but I don't think it gets much better than having a Michael Jackson thriller music video, which is like its own original film. It has the song. It has dances. It has terrific special effects from, the, you know, the guy that just made the quintessential werewolf transformation movie in American Werewolf in, in London. And now yeah. you have you have this one that's, you know, it's a it's a it's a werewolf movie, kind of. But it's a it's it's essentially a zombie film. I mean, it's you know, it follows Michael Jackson and his date. Um, and you know, people, they just change the zombies. It was a and, holiday classic too for a while. It, it would re-air on network television yeah, during right. October, and it was so like such a frightening thing that it has like this message beforehand that like Michael Jackson doesn't believe in the occult, so be careful. Like, there's just like it's satanic that... panic, Cullen. Yep, yep. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. And you have to top it off with a little Vincent Price, uh, Vincent exactly. Price uh, voiceover. <laughs> exactly. It just it has everything you kind of. I mean, you just talked about Cody. You just talked about Donna. That it having everything you want in a zombie movie. This has everything you want in a zombie movie. It has a great yeah. soundtrack. It has great zombie effects. It has great. It has great. It has actual terror. When I was trapped a child, in a house. When yeah. I was when I was a child watching this music video, I got legit like scared out of my. Me pants too, man. Of, like watching the girl go in the room and like zombies are like all over her. It's crazy. Yeah. You, go, you go to bed at night and you're like fucking thriller, man. Man, it was fun, but now I'm going to sleep. Well, yeah, but they're coming through the floor. Like yeah. you can't even sit down. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, and uh, I should put more emphasis on the effects. The visual, the the zombie effects in the thriller video are terrific. You get a lot. Of, you, I mean, you get some variety for one thing. You get multiple stages of of Michael Jackson zombie, but you get like just a whole crew between like the dancers, the ones that are doing like the improv dancing, and then just basic zombies. I mean, there's just a, there's a lot going on mm-hmm. in the span of what like twelve minutes. Like it's a great video. That's that is. That happens to be a great zombie movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I don't remember where I heard it from, but they were just uh, somewhere on TV. They were just like talking, you know, how great it was and like how hard everyone worked on this thing. 
and they say there's like one part when they're you know doing the thriller dance that all the zombies jump up and you can draw like a clear line underneath everyone there's no everyone is giving it their all there's no dead weight no one's you know just dogging it they'll jump super <laughs> high there's a huge gap between you know between the ground and where they jump because they're just putting everything they have into it because Michael Jackson's the perfectionist. I mean, like that—that that was his yeah. thing. Like you know, he, doesn't, yeah. he, doesn't, he didn't half-ass things. Like so. and, and and Landis was. A, and you're speaking about the makeup. I mean, Landis was at his peak at that point. You know, they had just oh, done yeah. all that stuff on Werewolf, and oh yeah, man, they were yes. they were right at the pinnacle of of, of that kind of stuff. What's the whole reason that uh, Michael Jackson wanted him? Because he saw, um, right. you know, yeah, 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 and he thought like we have to get this guy. I'm going to make this video, and he has to direct it. Well, I mean, do you think? I mean, looking at Jack, I mean, he looked. He worked with Scorsese. He worked, yeah, he, worked he got. I mean, he got Scorsese. Right there, yeah. <laughs> like he, he he knew what he was doing. I mean, he, like he, because he's like, I I just I love the idea of. I wish the, I wish he was around just so we could have podcasts of him talking about his love of cinema because he's clearly a huge cinephile. Like that, mm-hmm. that, there's no part of me that wouldn't think that Michael Jackson probably didn't have like a giant movie theater in Neverland Ranch that he would just be able to screen him just all kinds of. He's like probably like a Tarantino type, just like oh, yeah. movies all mm-hmm. the time when he's not doing you know performances or what have you. His own know. prints. He has you know, he has a vault oh, of prints. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> right next to all his Beatle albums, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you want to come? You want to come over? I got uh, I got you know. Uh, Blood Simple Criterion Collection. <laughs> Neverland Ranch. Watch it. I have the original uh, John Woo films on Criterion. You can't get those anymore. Can't get those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Putting those impressions away. Let's move on to our next pick here, Brandon. What's your next pick? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna make a poultry pick. Uh, City of the Living Dead. City. Uh, also know of like Gates of Hell, but it's really the first part of a Gates of Hell trilogy he did of movies. But um. I love. I wish there was a giant chart that would list all the different names and like connections to various. Oh gosh! Movies yeah, <laughs> like yeah, these Italians, you know, they they took the things and they liked, and they you know just kept making them. But um, what well, the see, this is a, this is after Zombie. He made what are, the other, what are the other films in the city on the City of the Living Dead? Uh, city, city of the Living Dead, The Beyond, and House on House by the Cemetery. Okay. Right. Um, they all deal with like a, a gate of hell opening somewhere and you know weird shit happening uh but city of the living dead's very it's atmospheric really spooky and really graphic they um the zombies in here can like appear and kind of like disappear it's like a it, they come in with like this like foggy fogginess and it, this one has like just these frightening imagery there's just like it opens with this priest hanging himself that's just it, it creeps up in your mind and stuff. And then it has a scene, like one of my favorite gross out scenes of all time. Cause like the zombies would just like get into these people, like their infection would be weird. And this woman starts like bleeding from her eyes and then like begins like throwing up her insides. Like her stomach comes out. She's like vomiting them out. And it's just amazing. That doesn't sound good at all. It's great. <laughs> um... <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, I want want to be a part of that. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 quite awesome. And then there's a guy who gets like a drill through his head. I mean, it's it doesn't have any of like his. There's no one gets an eye gouge, which is Fulci's trademark. You know, move is someone always gets an eye gouge. People are like, oh man, who's gonna lose an eye in this one? Yeah, it's like it's it's Fulci's thing. Um, but you know, it's it's just a really cool cool movie. It does suck. The endings. The ending of this movie sucks because um, someone 
in the editing process spilled coffee on the print and um <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't salvage the end and they tried to get more money to go reshoot it and they were rejected so they just kind of tried to make up this like weird you know ambiguous ending that just doesn't work and you're just like what the fuck and there, i see all these people trying to figure out like what does it mean i'm like no they spilled coffee it's it's not you know it, it, it's an accident you know they, they like couldn't the do anything about Halloween it six yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all they're like, they're like yep you know it has to end there it is but it's it's a fun ride getting there it's gross it's got really good atmosphere good score he's got fabio frizzi on it um who would score like a lot of his movies he's like the you know goblin was to argento what uh, frizzi was to you know fulci so it's it's got some cool stuff. It's just a uh, haunting, a little bit different take on the zombies. Um, but yeah, it's really gross, really you know, kind of fun. It's got some of his better character work, but yeah, it's you know, I you know, I had to pick something Italian here because. <laughs> and there you go, Jason. What's your next pick? Uh, well, my next pick would be the 2008 film Dance of the Dead, right. uh, which I don't know if any of you have seen, but uh, I was became familiar with the director Greg Bishop through a movie he had done a few years earlier for fifteen thousand dollars called uh, The Other Side, and it was it was good, but it was kind of a quirky supernatural little thing. It actually had Jamie Alexander, who of course is hugely famous now, um, in the in the lead role. So it was one of her first films, and and uh, it was a quirky little thing. So I was like, well, let, let me look out for Greg and see what he does you know the, the movies that he does and the next one was called dance of the dead and what it, essentially the premise is this is for fun so essentially the premise is uh that zombies are invading the prom and the only people that can save them are the geeks who didn't get invited so <laughs> i love that i love the premise it definitely goes into you know you know cheesy grade b territory both with you know kind of the the colorful you know kind of quirky characters but also like the the, the cheesy effects like you have uh you know kind of a sweeping shot of a cemetery where where zombies and undead people are being sprung like literally from a springboard up from the graves and stuff it's just a a a quirky fun it's a total hoot, man, you know, and there's definitely some, you know, there's some gore and, 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 and little bits and pieces of, of, of grotesqueness here and there, but it's just a fun, quirky, indie little movie um, that, uh, that for me speaks to the, speaks to the geek in me, you know, so, you know, that, that you know, eventually, you know, the geeks can get the girls, you know, if, if, if there's undead involved, of course, and, uh, and uh, it was a quirky, awesome, great little movie that I think, you know, Greg, that, that was way underrated, um, that uh, I think, uh, who was it, um, Ghost House Underground picked it up and did put it out on, uh, on DVD, and uh, it's, a, it's a little hidden gem, Dance of the Dead. All right. Colin, what's your, uh, what's your next pick? Uh, my next pick is uh, Return of the Living. It is, as far as I know, it's the first zombie movie that really said zombies want brains they mm-hmm. kind of redid uh, the rules on it and i think it's it's just fine but they also um went with zo- zombies can't die it doesn't matter if you shoot them in the head nothing will stop them <laughs> um so also you know the first uh, running zombies too yeah yeah and, and they really have some uh distinctive zombies in this movie which is really awesome they weren't the first to do it but um, like the, the, the oil zombie yeah. that is, I don't know, one of the most memorable things because the, the movements are just so crazy and fluid and the design on the face is fantastic. And then there's still, um, like 
the face actually has like facial expressions and the eyes widen when it sees people, you know, cause it was like, Oh, you know, it has a look on its face, like, Ooh, food. It, you immediately know what it's thinking. It's fantastic. And it also has one of the best lines in cinema his- history of, uh, send more paramedics. I love that delivery. <laughs> I love that line. And we, also, I'm not sure if we've seen zombies talk before this. Maybe we have. I don't remember. But it, it, no, that's it, different. The others are kind of hit and miss. But this is really awesome. It's kind of like a like a punk rock zombie movie, and um, I think it's if if you haven't seen it, uh, why are you listening to this? Go get this movie. Is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it's. It's interesting that like the the coloring on the zombies, like you know, there's some uh, that are not consistent, like across um, all movies. But this is just like, look, they're dead, whatever. She's white now, like sheet white, <laughs> like okay, <laughs> whatever. But there's a also the humor is just it, it plays like straight zombie movie with the like, humorous dialogue because I love when Tom Matthews is is trying to get to his girlfriend as he's become a zombie. He's like, I really really miss you and i love you and i want to eat your brains like that stuff's really good yeah and you get you know uh, with uh, with return of the living dead don kalfa continues his his association with the dead because of course he was the hitman in the original weekend at bernie's so he of course plays, <laughs> plays the hit. there you go so he of course plays the uh, the the, um, uh, the 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 mortuary uh, man you know who does the who runs the crematorium and so forth I so have to say, we got the, I, we got that connection. I I have to say I I've I've not been the hugest fan of Return of the Living Dead. Like it's one where I feel like I need to just watch more because of only you know having recently got the Blu-ray because it's an amazing Blu-ray. It's got like a it's got so many ridiculous amounts of special features and feature like documentaries or what have you. But it like it, being able to like kind of you know see a great version of it now that certainly helps you know me trying to appreciate the film more. But the, it's one where it is the kind of way it plays fast and loose with Zump with what zombie quote unquote rules are like what it what it does with the genre that somewhat I think it rubbed me kind of the wrong way the first time which always kind of left a bad taste in my mouth so getting on you know going on repeat viewings I'm I'm, I'm appreciating it more especially because of those visual effects which are pretty you know fantastic in the way they're unique of how they're presenting these things but it's one that where it's like I I feel like I should be liking this movie more than I do but I do like the kind of punk rock charm that you mentioned it has to it like it, it that does play well to to this movie and so far separating it from the others. I understand that you saying, but the fast and loose rules, and mm-hmm. that's really a detriment to like the other Re- return of the living dead movies. But uh-huh. I don't know, like for whatever reason, this one just gets a pass for me. Like, I don't care. There's enough other fun things happening that it's, it's fine. It, it doesn't bother me with this one. The, there's another thing we haven't really talked about so far, which is that these movies, you know, when you have zombie apocalypse, there's no coming back from that. Essentially, like that's not re- there's not really a solution, which means that these movies are pretty inherent. They're inherently nihilistic. Like a lot of them really are. Like the happy endings are only so happy for the ones that end with a you know a spark of hope because it's it's not like well everyone came back to life and we're all good again. It's like no, the, the world still ended. Like we're still like <laughs> and you know it, there's no, there's rarely like all that many survivors in these types of movies and you talk about return of the living dead it has probably one of the most nihilistic endings of all of these movies given where things go oh, yes <laughs> yeah that is terrible <laughs> i know like when i saw that i was like oh man that's terrible news for the world yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the happiest ending is like, well, I found a place that seems to be away from hordes of zombies and savages for at least the next couple months. So I'm good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My next pick, and this gets us back to our conversation about what makes a zombie movie, is um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1978 uh, Don Siegel. Uh, Don Siegel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, take or, on the... Is Don Siegel the original? No, uh, yeah, it is the original. My bad. Um, it's um, Philip Co- Philip Kaufman. Uh, yeah. Yes, Philip Kaufman. You know, we were talking about what makes a zombie film or what have you, and I think this is obviously, you know, it goes out. It's it's hard to justify this as technically a a a, a proper zombie movie, but I, what I think it has is this kind of mainly because you know the the body snatch. It's you know it's aliens for one thing. There's body snatching going on. There's rep. There's replicants of these things being made, and there, but there's this kind of it's not quite a hive mind mentality, but there's this kind of you, you talk about the kind of hordes of these things, and that's, you know, the world becomes essentially this kind of a dystopian society, you know, in the making, because you have human characters that are fighting against becoming another member of a, of a certain kind of pack. And, you know, aside from being, there's a lot of things I can praise about Invasion of the Body Snatchers as far as, you know, the cast, the writing. Um, but what I think stands out is that it's it's both, it's attacking, you know, the, the kind of the culture at the time, the the you know, utilizing a lot of like kind of counterculture um, plot elements as opposed to the original, which is fighting against you know McCarthyism, and it has like I just mentioned, it has this kind of very nihilistic attitude to where how things will go. Um, the the world is essentially going to be ending because it's going to be taken over by things, and it, and it, our relatable characters are ones that are just caught up in all of this mess and are trying to fight against any kind of change. Um, but I'm curious what you guys do. Would you do? You guys see what I'm trying to say when it comes to thinking of Invasion of the Body Snatchers as a, a competent zombie film? I think the, the the final chase at the end kind of falls into that for sure. Hordes and stuff. I just, mm, I can I can see where you when you you know mm-hmm. your argument for it. It's just it's not you know it's not a traditional, a traditional zombie. Movie. Yeah. yeah, of course right. not. Yes, and it's you know certainly you know, kind of if I was going to make like a ranked list of zombies, I wouldn't even include this on. Here, yeah, but I think and I just, at a core level of just you know descriptive things, you'd be like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a zombie movie then. Then yeah, mm-hmm. yes. But obviously, yes, the creatures being taught, you know, they they think, they talk, they do actions that are, you know, not typically related to zombies. But I. It's it's fun to examine this genre, and that's why I want to bring a film like this in there, just like I did with Michael Jackson's Thriller, essentially, because that's you know a short film that have you know it's a music video, mm-hmm. but it still you know follows the the tenets of a zombie movie. This one's less direct, but I do think there's a good amount you know aside from wanting to just give praise to 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers because it's fucking <laughs> terrific. I, yeah, I, I I do think that there's a lot of a lot, there, there's a lot of kind of interesting parallels that it has to what other zombie movies are able to do, which is, you know, kind of bring in a level of social commentary, which is what horror movies we've talked about in general are able to do at their best. But also kind of there's a there's a there's a scary sense of what your reality is when the people that are also among you are not like you anymore. They're a part of something else. And that I think is a big factor in what make what can make zombie movies scary. Um, becoming a part of, like you guys have mentioned, becar- becar- becoming a part of a horde, becoming a part of a, a group that has only one desire. Um, the alien it's... pods or whatnot have more than one desire, it seems, but there seems to be kind of a, a commonality of, you know, we're not human anymore, we have a deeper reason for existing. Yeah, it's kind of like a, like a more um, subtle horde, and it's just a different way of being scary. It's um, like You're surrounded by them, but you don't know you are. And then you're going to become one of them. That's what happens with uh, traditional zombie movies. It's just not as direct. And that's, ah, 
It makes my hair stand up. That's creepy. <laughs> That's great. Completely embodied by Donald Sutherland's face at the end of that movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that one's forever ingrained. Uh, Brandon, what's your next pick? My next pick is uh, The Serpent and the Rainbow from All Wes right. Craven. Thought, Wes Craven. Nice, nice. I thought that'd be on your list. Yeah, nice. it's, it goes back to the traditional Haitian voodoo uh, side of things with the actual like literal definition and uh, historical context of what a zombie is. Um, involves Bill Pullman getting involved in this stuff. And there's, there's, it's a creepy, gets under your skin, like scary movie. It falls apart at the very end. It gets into some like you know entertaining cheesy Wes Craven action to fill to finish it out. Yeah. But throughout this, it's a really intriguing uh, investigation. Uh, what's happening to me? Kind of movie, and they they do some really haunting makeup jobs on like Bill Pullman with with things. I think it's one of Bill Pullman's best performance. I don't think Bill Pullman's that very good of an actor, but he's he's pretty good in this. And it's it's a different, a completely different you know zombie. Thing. It is more technically a zombie movie than zombie movies are. Um, and that's what Craven was going for. But it's, it's I think, one of his best. And it's, it sticks out being kind of different than the rest of his catalog. But it's one I don't think many people saw then, and I don't know that they, you know, know remember it now. But it's really haunting. It's got a scary as shit poster, too. I um I picked I picked this one up based off your review on Why So Blue for the Screen Factory Blu-ray, nice. and I remember I was, I was texting you while watching it that Bill Pullman's essentially playing like a, a very serious version of a Bruce Campbell type character. Yeah, uh, yeah. given that he's thrown around like a rag doll throughout this movie, <laughs> like it really <laughs> it works that way. That said, Bill Pullman zero effect is a fantastic acting performance. I'm just going to put that out there. But oh, yeah. <laughs> as, far, as far as his acting oh, yeah. abilities go. <laughs> but, um, but no, I completely, I agree as far as this being kind of an an, an underseen Wes Craven film, especially because we talked about Wes Craven last year in our director spotlights. I'm not the biggest fan of what he had to offer as kind of a, a filmmaker, but I do think he has a number of highlights, and this is one of them. I think it really does capitalize off a lot of, especially as you're saying before kind of the ending goes all out, I think it capitalizes on a lot of what he's really able to do that makes a lot of his films kind of different from other things that were coming out at the time. A lot of creepy, weird mysticism that I think maybe a major studio would never normally touch. But again, that was the era of... That was one of the uh, three films he did with that guy yeah. picked him and, him and Carpenter up and were like, hey, you guys oh, yeah. make whatever you want. You're going to have your final cut, and I'll, I'll, I'll take it to the studio, and they will yeah. put out that film. Oh, yeah. That he did never happen now. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, Serpent in the Rainbow, Shocker, and... What was the other People one? Under the stairs. People under the stairs. Under the stairs. Yeah. yeah, those are just un. Yeah, those are Craven like just unchained. That's everything he wanted to make that film. Those films. Not a, not enough hilarious cop antics like in Last House on the Left. But I mean, it's no. so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that ba- the battle at the end is 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 corny as hell, and a lot of Craven's movies you know can end like that. But you know, it is what it is. All right. Uh, Jason, what's your next pick? All right, number three, I'm going to do a duo combo. It's called what, uh, The Dead from 2010 and The Dead to India from 2013. Both uh, films are uh, from the Ford brothers, Howard and John Howard and John Ford, two British filmmakers. Uh, and what these films do uh, that that gives them a leg up in terms of you know something to see is they have all the you know the wonderful tropes of a zombie film, you know, um, uh, you know, great creatures, you know. 
with some gore, you know, uh, the everyman kind of trying to uh, brave the storm and, and has, a, has a goal. And so he has to, you know, cross, the, you know, the lands of all this stuff. But they did those things in actual locations. So The Dead was filmed in Africa on an indie low-budget scale, and The Dead 2 was filmed in India. And both of those places, they use the locations and the people uh, you know the, the you know the the the, the people from the you know the, where they were shooting, and it's just it's the most authentic as hell thing you've ever seen. You know, uh, it's it's it really does add something uh, beyond you know like a blue screen or a, or a, you know a set or whatever. I mean, they go out to the locations and they shot the crap out of this thing, and it looks it adds so much in terms of giving you know a more worldly feel to the idea of the undead. Um, that just it fully enhances the vision. So, but of, and, and of course, in doing that and doing it on an indie scale, the the stories of you know the the uh, the, the perils that they had to go through through all of those movies are just as fascinating as the actual film itself. Um, you know, uh, going way over schedule. Uh, the lead actor on the first one, you know, contracting malaria and almost dying. Uh, Howard actually put out a book called Surviving the Dead, which chronicled the whole, you know, history of shooting the movie. And it's just, it's fascinating. But those guys are amazing filmmakers. They were totally dedicated to really creating an authentic vision. And uh, they're, it, it's better because of it. So um, I love the idea of, of actually going there, getting that stuff. And again, both, both movies, you know, feature a regular average guy, you know, being put up against really interesting, you know, uh, outrageous circumstances. And they're both great films. So both of the, I would get those as a combo one night and double bill yourself. So the dead from 2010 and the dead to India from 2013. All right. Very good. Uh, Colin, what's your next pick? Uh, my next pick will be the first one that does not have dead in the title, but it, it would be my first one that has night in the title, Night of the Creeps. There uh, you go. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Miller time. That's a, that's a cult cavalcade right there, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is kind of, you know, like uh, yours, Aaron, with um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. This is an alien threat. And that's, uh, um, I don't know, I think it's pretty awesome. It's a little bit different, uh, especially for this time. It's also um, pretty clear that it's a major influence for James Gunn's uh, later movie Slither mm-hmm. um, because it is <laughs> the, the the main monster is very similar because it's like a slug that goes into like someone's uh, brain and feet well in this one it feeds off of it and Slither it kind of controlled the person yeah. um, but again it's another uh, movie where the antagonist uh feeds on brains you know like zombies um but and, and there's also some real big pretty good scares in this thing too i mean of course there's gonna be jump scares but like the stuff with the cat more than just jump scares it was freaking creepy the way it like its face looked like it was dissolving and oh and especially the the um the end of this thing that was the creepiest scariest part where you know these 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 slug space alien things they feed on brains and they also because they feed on the brains and then they breed more um from the brains so like someone's head will split open and then just pours out even more of these slugs uh so at the end they someone's doing like a an experiment or something like that in a, in a laboratory and guess what's in the laboratory jars of brains so it's just at the end of the movie there's just a giant 
pile of these wriggling, unnaturally wriggling things because it had to be stop motion. And then the old, like, I don't know how many of these things just fire at the screen. That's just, man, that's creepy as hell. Probably why it's called Night of the Creeps. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is, damn it, that's good. Plus it's got Tom Atkins in it. And that helps. That helps a lot of movies. It couldn't save Halloween 3. But it helps this movie a lot too. <laughs> I, I would beg to differ. I think it does save Halloween three. <laughs> uh, he do, he does all he can, yeah. but it's still not enough. <laughs> of course, it's a great selection, and and of course Fred Decker, who also did Monster Squad. That this was his, you know, yeah. this yeah. was his film before that, and it's oh, it's fun, man. It's a hell of a lot. Atkins is the Atkins is the is the is the 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 linchpin of this movie, man, he's awesome, and of course he he he, he spouts off the best line, man. It's you know your, your, your good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. He's just he's awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, my pick, my next pick, is a sequel um, that I find to be superior to a film that we've already talked about a little bit at length. It is Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Yeah. I I used to think it was a little bit of splitting hairs, but actually I, I I've come to think I'm come to the point where I think Twenty Eight Weeks Later is just very clearly superior um i i think it you know getting past the kind of like the the indie um like on the ground grittiness of 28 days later i think 28 weeks later presents a very a, a very kind of interesting perspective on how things would function uh mixed with just a terrific uh sense of how to build atmosphere how to build dread how to build intensity and to pay it off of a you know very some very kinetic scenes um it also plays very fast and loose with the characters you're following um, you have you have a great cast. You have Robert Carlyle, Rose Byrne, Jeremy Renner, and uh, Idris Elba, among others. And you you know just listing off those names, you wouldn't necessarily know who would survive and who wouldn't in that. Or you you have you maybe have an idea of who you think could survive and who wouldn't. But the way the movie plays out, there's a lot of surprise deaths that take place, and there's also just a great kind of. I mean, there's much like 28 days later. There's a lot of kind of uh, social commentary going on as far as how how people deal with an infect in kind of a, an infection, an outbreak, uh, what the next steps are following this, and where things go from there. And I think it just it does all of this stuff very well. I I was very surprised by how good this movie was coming out of uh, you know coming off of 28 days later and thinking, oh, they're making a sequel, but Danny Boyle's not involved, but um, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo. He did a. I think he did an absolutely terrific job in making a a, a sequel that really continues continues on with what was established twenty eight days later. It really kind of blows up the the uh, the concept even further. Yeah, I props to Robert Carlyle in that movie. Oh he my played, god, he's he's yeah. a zombie. I mean, like what known <laughs> entity like that just signs on to play pretty much a zombie the whole time? But I mean, he plays a zombie, but that that opening, you know, there's oh, opening, that opening's like, fantastic. There's an opening the... like 15 minute mm-hmm. scene that like you know it starts off almost just like a, a drama that has nothing to do with anything before it just all hell breaks loose. The John Murphy score, which was terrific, the... in 28 Days Later gets really reprised here and like goes into overdrive and presents just an impossible situation for Carlisle to face, which he has to deal with throughout the rest of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I I like the attitude. I mean, this one has a more clear focus of its narrative than the, the, the first one. The first one is just kind of like, well, you know, we're here, and and now fall the first one. There hadn't been a zombie movie effectively for many years, so doing the the traditional, well, we're out here on our own. Where are we going? Type story. Let's find you know people. That's fine. But this one, this one was like the idea of the warriors, but with a zombie movie, where you know you gotta get to, <laughs> yeah. you gotta gotta get from point A to point B in this amount of time, and 
there's all these things coming at, to, at you to prevent you from getting there. And it's just, I love movies like that that are set on a timer and, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. And it's, you know, a Jeremy Renner before, you know, yeah, before, he was in everything before, before Hurt Locker, which really propelled him to start. Like, and I only knew Jeremy. I knew him from like SWAT. That was the thing I knew Jeremy yeah. from. He was the bad guy in SWAT. And so I see him in this movie <laughs> and it, but like, it, like there, you see, watch just 28 weeks later where he's not in it that much, uh, but, like, he does little things where it's like, this is a terrific performance, and it's like, yeah. it's all just in, like, his facial tics and little things that he does. Like, there's a key moment that's in the trailer where, you know, he's, like, trying to push a car along, and he, like, gives a wink to the characters in the car, and it's just like, that says so much about just who this person yeah. you know, is and, like, how talented you have to be to pull something like that. That's one of my to... favorite parts of the movie, where he's pushing them, trying to do everything he can to save their life. To si- yeah. Cool as a cucumber. Not... Which does not go well. <laughs> I mean, it's not. No, it's, no, no, no. When well, they got that, that also another moment. The Silence of the Lambs night vision sequence uh, is awesome too. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's. I mean, there's there's some really scary stuff in this movie. Like, and I, it, I just think it's incredibly effective what he's doing. And yeah, Twenty Eight Days Later. Again, I I really like Twenty Eight Days Later, and I think it does kind of it has a a gritty appeal to it, but I do think it by the third act, it feels like, all right, now I guess we got to wrap this up and stuff a message in there. And it feels almost kind of lazy as far as like, okay, there's a bunch of men and there's some women. So clearly there's only one way we can end this. Like it just like, it's like, that's a little unfortunate. I, I just, I've warmed up to that film much like I've warmed up to Danny Boyle's sunshine over time, as far as the third act and how it feels very disparate from what were things. Yeah. He likes so, to break off from his mission statement. He was having that, that sort of thing go on. Yeah. But, um, but no, 28 Weeks Later, I think, is just a, a terrific film. It is a good one, too. I mean, it is good to watch both of those films back-to-back, by the way. Like, it's, it's, it makes for a solid mm-hmm. double feature. Yeah. And I'm still, I still look forward to 28 Months Later. Like, just based off the strength of 28 Weeks Later. Right. I'd be, I'd be, very, yeah. I'd be very happy to if see 28 If that ever happens, later. yes. I mean, Danny Boyle, it just seems like, well, people asked him in press junkets about it, and he's like, yeah, well, I still am interested. Like, it seems like that's it's wishful thinking, but, you know, why not? Like, why not? I, I look forward to it. If that ever happened, he's making train spotting too. I mean, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, what's your next pick? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, we've mentioned it here and there, but you can talk about Zombieland. Yeah. Another one of the big, you know, comeback zombie movies where I think at this point people were initially starting to feel maybe a little tired of them, but this kind of rejuvenated things. And it's a, it's a really short movie uh, when you think about it, but it, it moves and it has. Uh, one of my favorite groups of characters ever in a zombie movie. Like, I really like this troupe. I like, you know, Woody Harrelson. It has, it just, it's a movie that sets out to just, you know, have fun with, you know, the concept of zombies and, you know, play around and, you know, you know, make up the rules. And it's just, it's not, I mean, it's not, you know, inventing the wheel at all, but it's just a really fun movie and fast and, you know, gives us some different settings, some, you know, cool dynamics with character. And I just, yeah, I really like it. I think I think Zombieland has one of the best uh, opening credit sequences I have ever seen in the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that, was that credit sequence is hell of fun. Well, because they shoot with like a phantom camera, like right. super slow motion, right. 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 Mm-hmm. have just zombie mayhem breaking so out. Fun. Well, it's it's hilarious. Plus, it perfectly sets up the environment of the of the movie that the characters have to deal with, and perfectly sets up the tone of the movie too. So, whenever Zombieland seems to come up, it feels like I'm the guy that's, like, going down against it. I like Zombieland, but, like, I, I, I had a correct prediction when I watched Zombieland because I I had, an, I had an audience that seemed like they they were really into the movie, but in, like, a kind of what, to me, felt like the wrong way. 
And it's and the, this was what my thought was that the writers, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who've since gone on to write Daredevil, and you know that worked out kind of for them. Um, huh. it, it felt like when I was watching it, these guys have never seen zombie movies, um, and they just kind of took what they to get from like kind of stereotypical zombie ideas and turn made a movie out of it. And I was correct in their commentary. They acknowledged that they don't watch zombie movies. Like that's not their thing. And that always kind of bugged me about it. Like it just because it, I I've constantly described Zombieland as. If Shaun of the Dead is a classic Simpsons episode, Zombieland's like a Family Guy episode, where it's like, all right, there's a lot of fun jokes and whatnot, but it's not really that. It, there's not really much more there. And again, I like Zombieland. I think it, there's some really fun stuff in there. I think that there's a specific cameo that's you know pretty incredible. Woody Harrelson's a lot of fun, but it, it just like it, it feels kind of empty to me, even though I like <laughs> I, I try to enjoy it as much as I can. You son of a bitch. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just being honest about my thoughts on Zombieland. <laughs> I'm going to hate whatever your next pick is. <laughs> Just on principle. George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Okay. Oh, Fuck that movie. Garbage. Garbage. <laughs> Horrible. Just, Black I and mean, white. Get a color camera, you cheapskate. <laughs> good, uh, yeah, good, good movies don't go to public domain. Just saying. <laughs> oh, wow. No. Jason, right. what's your next movie? Uh, the 2008 Canadian horror film uh, Pontypool by the Ooh. great... Yeah, by the great Bruce McDonald, who uh, of course did movies like Hardcore Logo. I you see, I grew up in Canada, so I knew, I know, you know, very, I'm very familiar with a lot of the Canadian filmmakers, Adam and Goyen, uh, Denis Arcand, you know, uh, and of course Bruce McDonald. And Pontypool just kind of took me by surprise. I didn't know it was a zombie movie, or I didn't know it was in the horror genre. And it's, I, I kind of described it as the Thinking Man zombie movie. It stars the great, awesome um, Stephen McCaddy. Um, yeah. You know, you definitely, you know, if you see his face, you know who he is. And he's playing kind of an old school um, radio shock jock, you know, kind of a hazard guy who's been kicked out of every, you know, different, you know, he's in this, every different, you know, big market and stuff. He's kind of a shock jock and he, he's stuck in this little town in Pontypool, Ontario. And, uh, and so you think it's going to be about, you know, I mean, again, I didn't know about the movie, so you sort of think it's going to be about that, you know, and him kind of having to de- come to terms with the fact that he likes to be very shocky and very push the envelope. And he's working in this little thing where they just want to sell tires or whatever, you know, so, but then all of a sudden it turns into this in, in a very clever way of theater of the mind, because frankly, it takes place in one location, that radio station. And, uh, in a theater of the mind, they kind of create a world on the outside, believably and totally compellingly, that things are going down, um, that zombie things are going down, that people are killing people. And again, being Thinking Man zombie movie, it's kind of the, the, they start to, to figure out that the virus is being spread through words. It's an incredibly, you know, it's based on um, uh, the Tony Burgess's novel, Pontypool Changes Everything, and it's just incredibly smart and engaging and just like nothing I had ever seen before. And uh, and it's a total tour de force for Stephen McCaddy, if you're, if you're a fan of his. Um, you know, again, he he had done things like uh, Cronenberg's, you know, History of Violence, and he was in he was in Watchmen that you guys, you know, you guys probably love and stuff. So I, I, I've never seen him that amazing before, and it's just it's a really original, smart, brilliant, unlike anything you've ever seen, terrific film. And I I remember at the time I was just championing the crap out of it, and I got to interview Bruce and just tell him what a fantastic film it is, and and I would put that film up as a total. I, I know it's already been on my Forgotten Friday flick years and years ago because it's a it's a it's a total hidden gem. But if you've never seen it and you want to see something different, man, 
Pontypool. And again, uh, uh, taking place in one location, it could feel stagnant. It never does. Stephen McCaddy is a very terrific character actor that yeah. uh, should get more credit <laughs> for the things that he does in movies. Yeah. Whenever he pops up. Colin, what's your next pick? Uh, my next pick is um, another one that comes from uh, space, uh, Night of the Comet. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is, um, it's kind of like the uh, Night of the Creeps in that it's, it's like an 80s time capsule. Um, but it's not like um, how things are made now where it's like, it's from the 80s. Look, there's Rubik's Cubes. He's playing the Simon. And he's got day glow pants. Like, calm down. Every, every part of the 80s didn't happen at once. Um, Some movies it did. <laughs> well, yeah. But... Um, but it, it is it's interesting that um you you're either turned to like like ash or you want to kill people or you, you're one of the few that survives it's just kind of a i don't know it's it's a neat interesting different take on on the zombie genre and it, it's kind of one that is this a zombie movie is it not i think i i count it as a zombie movie um i call it a zombie movie i mean there's yes i yeah it's on my it's on my backup list, so I mean, <laughs> I, I had it. Yeah, I had it on there. Yeah, and it's it's another um, Leah Quigley uh, movie, which I know Brandon uh, likes. So um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it other than it's neat, and you should watch it. It's a it's, lot of fun. Listen, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I nobody loves that movie more than me. I had put it on a Evil Ladies of Horror Film Festival, and I had. Um, the two awesome leading ladies, Catherine Mary Stewart and Kelly Maroney, who play the sisters in the movie. And that's just, to me, that's just as fun as, I mean, the idea is two people who are kind of, you know, quirky kind of valley girls are the ones that are left on this planet after everybody's kind of gone with this zombie threat. So it's it, it definitely sets itself up for fun and quirk and awesomeness and a lot of one great one-liners. Um, but yeah, oh, the movie's super fun and uh, and and yeah, total uh, great one, good pick. I said, uh, um, yeah, Quigley's in it. I screwed that up, didn't I? Ignore yes. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was I, was, like, I was thinking. I, I was like, what? I don't. Yeah, ignore me. <laughs> Have you even seen Night of the Comet? <laughs> <laughs> so we're on our last films uh, for the list now um, for for this whole horror thing that we've been doing here and um there's a number of films that i'll you know we'll still be able to mention after we get through our these ones just as our you know kind of a run through of our backups but uh i want to end strong on this uh especially since colin already brought up the Zack snyder dawn of the dead so i'm gonna go with you know what i mentioned earlier is what he mentioned that is the the original uh dawn of the dead one of my favorite films of all time george A. romero's dawn of the dead um it's you know it's obvious um, but it is a film that just deserves all kinds of recognition. I believe. I, I think there's, you know, we're gonna get we're getting into an age where there's there's only there's only gonna be so much reverence to a lot of the kind of classic horror films, um, ones that you know are can be quote unquote dated, have effects that don't live up to like certain expectations, or have a certain deliberate style that goes overlooked, or has a, a varying level of context that may not seem all that applicable these days. I think Dawn of the Dead, regardless of how well the film stands the test of time, I would argue that it does for a variety of reasons, especially in its opening when you have kind of police sieging on uh, various apartments full of minorities. Um, there's 
there's so much going on in this movie that makes it feel like you know kind of an, an epic when it comes to zombie cinema. Um, you have George A. Romero, who's pretty much at the top of his game here, as, as far as capitalizing on both his writing abilities and expanding his uh, cinematic style. The film's still shot, you know, very statically uh, before you know start kind of moving the camera around more, getting even more in depth on you know just kind of how much how much and how involved he could be as a as a filmmaker with his camera, but the the way he he allows you to kind of watch a group of characters go through a you know the the zombie apocalypse and give you a good nearly an hour that has you living with these characters without featuring zombie action i think is incredibly impressive for a zombie film and it it speaks to what i like most about these movies where you're you know you're having the key characters trapped in a mall um, where there's zombies all over the place, and after they clear out that mall, what do they do next? And it's just live. You have various conflicts form um, based around the heightened situation. You have uh, commentary going on based around the the nature of consumerism and uh, societal differences and hierarchies and all sorts of things. And then you you know you break into kind of a climactic finale where a motorcycle group comes along as they're wont to do, um, and, and you know wreaks havoc upon things. And in, in addition to you know just various story elements, you have a, a it's almost like a comic book film as as far as the way that the gore works. I know uh, Savini and like they they were not huge they weren't big on the way things came out, which is why Day of the Dead Savini considers like what is like masterpiece Brandon if I'm not mistaken. Right? Uh, Savini, yeah, he's referred to that one as his his it's kind of his yeah, but like the the kind of the the heightened sense of reality involving the look of the zombies, which is kind of a bluish. Uh, tint it, it gives it this kind of comic booky type feel, which I think plays to the strength of being so over the top, um, and also let you know having you settle in for a, a very dramatic ride when you're dealing with just the characters and not zombies. I think there's so many, so many things about this movie that that just work um, and and build it up as you know kind of the ultimate zombie movie in my mind. I mean, between that and Shaun of the Dead, which we talked about previous on the you know, the previous episode. I just I think Dawn of the Dead is such a a terrific example of what the genre, of what the genre has to offer and just what a, a good movie can be um, when you kind of look back in time at what filmmakers that you know stepping outside of the realm of prestige dramas you know had to offer to the world of cinema. I think uh, we're gonna fight, Aaron. I'm sorry, I don't want to, but I think we're gonna have to. <laughs> I I um I got some issues with with the movie. I don't hate it. But there's just too much goofy stuff in it for me to really enjoy it as much as I'd like. Like like the stuff with the bikers, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And there's like a pie fight. And... <laughs> but that's all stuff involving the bikers. Yeah, exactly. Oh like, like... my god, that's awesome. Well, you mentioned the bikers as far as coming out of nowhere. But I mean, in a world where you know everything gets taken over they would be around like going around and looting things like that would be what they'd be doing i know but 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 like with they don't even seem like like okay let's loot and get out of here like they're just like hey let's screw around in the mall like what are you the stupidest what would you they have no there's no goal like it's not like they're gonna take this loot and go buy stuff like well no do anything they want to no but it seems like they would like okay survival like they're trying to find things to survive and then and then bug out instead they just screw around for a while and just oh it just it bothers like there's one biker that tries to take his blood pressure his blood pressure yeah in the middle of a zombie horde they're he's surrounded by zombies he said you know what i need to do 
I gotta check my blood pressure because I'm concerned about my heart while being surrounded by flesh-eating zombies. You know, it's just stuff like that, and I'll get you chocolate man. Stuff like that where it's like, all right, this isn't... You've you've turned up the goofy dial too much, unfortunately. But there are stuff... There's stuff I like. Um, I still say, um, we got this by the ass. I say that all the time. And um, the uh, the speech about um, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. It's pretty neat. And I do like them trying, like you said, where it's like, well, what do we do now? I guess we live. And they end up just kind of being bored and tooling around. So there's, there's positives to it. Just be- with that and the... Um, Kind of like the 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 makeup where it's just like oh, make them kind of blue. It's just and like you said, there's like budgetary issues and stuff like that. So I can understand that, but it just kind of turns down my enjoyment factor. But I'm glad you like it, and I hope you continue to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I I can agree that yes, the 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 final third is not as strong as the preceding two thirds. But I I just I'm I'm so embedded I'm so embedded with the how strong I think the character stuff is in that, where I don't mind the goofiness. I embrace it, actually. I think it's like, oh, this is a fun change of pace. <laughs> You're wrong. Uh, Brandon, okay. what, what'd Brandon you... what's your... Yeah? What'd what? you say that one was again? Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. Okay, I'll have to see that one. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What's your final pick, Brandon? Uh, oh, where do I go with this? Uh, okay. Uh, I mentioned the, the first two in our found footage episode, but I'll pick Wreck 3. A, okay. It's a, it's um it 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 abandons the the found footage motif from the, the first two films. It plays around with that, and I think they took people by surprise with that because I think people expected another found footage movie with Rec Three, mm. but within the first like ten minutes, it's it's a found footage movie. It's about the the beginning of uh I think it's called Rec Three Genesis. Yes, yeah. it's the beginning. Um, they they Is play around with this, a Y. No. Oh, okay. Then I'll see it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it, it starts with like wedding footage, and and then the like you know the epidemic starts hitting there at the wedding, and it's this goofy little like zombie love story about the bride and groom separated in this like zombie attack and trying to get find their way to one another, and she's still in her bride gown and stuff like that, and shit gets crazy, and it's just a, a silly little romantic zombie movie it's got it's got a very dark ending to it but it, it i just found it a lot of fun a lot of people were mad that it took a different tone and uh aesthetic to the first two movies but i i welcome the change of pace and thought it was fun this is when the directors of the first two split up and each one of them made a movie one of them made rec three and one of them made rec four which was just a straight movie on a boat bringing back one of the characters to kind of cap this off cap it off but you know, I, I I thought Rex Three was some silly zombie fun, and I I enjoyed it. Very creative, yeah, definitely. I would I would definitely back you up on that one. I found Rex Three to be uh, to be a, a nice reinvigoration of that whole um, that whole series. So yeah, it's a great one. I think my my because I I like it overall, but it's just I just don't find it nearly as strong as the first Rex, which I don't think anyone is really arguing that it is. Um, but I think my yeah, you know, there was a level of disappointment because I I thought I found Rec Two to be so surprisingly strong. You know, it's like equal with the first one as far as I'm concerned, as far as what it was doing. That coming into three, I was like, well, those first two were fantastic, so this has to be fantastic too. And I was kind of let down that it didn't kind of capitalize off the same energy that I got from those first two films. And I still appreciate it for what it's doing. It's just it's different. 
but it has fun, which, you know, that's always nice. <laughs> Get some fun in there when, after complete dourness. And I remember going to a screening of that movie, and they actually had uh, they had wedding cake that they gave. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Jason, what's your uh, final pick? Oh, well, since I, you know, since I do have Terror Tots, of course, named after films, uh, I'm going to go with my last pick being uh, Paranorman. Um, oh, okay. The, uh, yeah, the, um, the 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 stop motion, the 3D stop motion animated uh, film. Uh, you know, I, it, from Focus Features, uh, I it, what I love about it is again, it isn't groundbreaking in terms of its zombie stuff, but what I love about it is it does bring. Uh, you know, uh, um, it 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 does make it a little more kid friendly, so that you know you can share it with the with the younger kids. But it also has, I think, a really for me, you know, being a, being always kind of a movie geek and stuff like that. It does have a real important um, uh, message about uh, you know about why it's okay to be different and why it's okay to sort of. Uh, 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 not be like everyone else and have special gifts or to, you know what I mean? So, which, you know, but it's not done in a heavy handed way where it's hitting you over the head, but Paranorman, you know, Norman is kind of considered a, 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 you know, a bit of an outcast, you know, he, he, he does weird things. Yeah. And I, I love the idea that it, 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 in the end it kind of has value you know and 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 but at the same time you know have like it has like there's creepy zombies and and it's kind of goofy and fun and and there's i don't know it just i it to me it had a little something for everything it had you know it enables you to kind of share that kind of lore and that kind of kind of fun on a lighter level of course with the kids but at the same time it has a, a really important message so it, it 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 it's just wonderful all around and of course the 3d stop motion stuff is just really amazing and detailed if you ever watch any of the extras on the on the uh, on the DVD or the Blu-ray or whatnot, it, it they really uh, you know went above and beyond to create that stuff, like hand create that stuff. It's pretty impressive. So I, I, I find it a really enjoyable, fun little movie and uh, something you could watch with the kids. Yeah, I brought up Paranorman on our monster movies episode, and as I said oh, cool. then, I, I've recently added it to my expand my ever growing ever growing list of. Um, favorite movies of all time i i absolutely adore paranorman i think it's terrific and pretty in, you know every single way um and yeah you're completely right about you know it's it's very positively selling the idea of it's okay to be an outsider or it's okay to be different and it has a strong you know message against bullying um which i, I think is also incredibly useful in addition to being just a really fun and creative um and ridiculously complicated movie to make i mean it's yeah. just all of those things yeah uh colin what's your uh, final pick um my my final pick is the most obvious one i'm saying night of the living dead sucks move on (laughs) um i'm i'm bringing it up because it is legitimately like one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time um what's so great about this uh, zombie movie is that the tension just keeps going up and up and up throughout the movie. It, it's one of the movies that when you watch it, you, you would sit there and think, oh, that's stupid. Why are you doing this? But it makes sense that they're making all kinds of wrong choices because they're in a crazy situation that they've never had to think about. Who's ever thought, thought about, like, okay, if the dead come back to life and want to attack me, uh, what would I do? You know, now there's been, you know, books written about that. You know, what would you do in case there's some kind of a zombie apocalypse? However, not a, not in the freaking 60s. And um, plus it was, it's in, um, 
This might be the only one that we've mentioned that's in black and white, I think, um, which adds another layer of just spookiness, which is a lot of fun. And there's what, what I like. Another thing I like about it is it doesn't use music all the time. And a, a lot of movies now, there's constantly um, music played through it. And it drives me a little bit nuts. Um, there's certainly music in this, but it's only when it's really effective and like, uh, the part where the, uh, the mother is getting killed in, uh, the mm-hmm. basement. That's really, really unsettling because they put that, uh, effect on her voice of her screaming. It's some kind of, it's like a droning that repeats repeats itself. Yeah, yeah, and and it's just the 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 zombified daughter just stabbing her over and over again, and it's and it really is just super unsettling. And as as um as you watch the movie, you're trying to figure out who is who makes the right choice here. Should you be in the basement? Should you be in the house? I I, I think. Ben makes constantly the right decisions and just no one helps him out nearly well, yeah, as much and, as they should be. And that's, and that's a difficult thing. Like, he's clearly an intelligent person and he plans as much as he can in this situation. When he sees something come up, then he adjusts his plans to incorporate, you know, these new new things going on. And then there's, I can't remember what his name is, but that prick father, you know. Where he uh, ref- Harry, Harry Cooper. Yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> where he, ref- he is rigid and he refuses to change and he absolutely screws over anyone at any given point. So even though staying in the basement may not be a terrible idea, you don't want to do it because he's such a prick and you don't want to listen. You don't want to be on his side ever. Um, I, I love what they did with his fate in the remake it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would, Hey, I would say, you know, sums it up in one line, man. They're coming to get you, Barbara. The best line ever. <laughs> yeah, that is so <laughs> so just weird. The delivery of that line and the way the voice. It just you're like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, and it's just kind of out of nowhere when he's just yes. doing it to her. Yeah. <laughs> Great. For all these reasons and more. Pretty good movie. Yeah, Night of the Living Dead is utterly fantastic as well i in, in general I, I tend to think of dawn of the dead night of living dead and Shaun of the dead as my like my go-to zombie movies of like what are the best ones those i mean the, <laughs> night, <laughs> Done. Night, yeah. night of the living dead is you know it's it is the, the forebearer of so many things for a reason and it's it, it's incredibly effective for being you know this kind of down and cheap movie and i think where it really when i saw it the first time, the first time that I can remember, I probably saw it randomly when I was much younger too, and didn't remember much. But when I saw it, and I could really start to kind of think about it, when it really started to get to me was, you know, after the truck explodes, and you you kind of really see what these zomb- what these ghouls are doing, which is mm-hmm. they're going out and taking the charred remains and just fighting over it and eating it. Oh yeah, it's insane. Like it's it's one thing to get like, oh, there's a bunch of things outside a house, but it's another to see, oh, if they get you. They don't stop. Like they, they, yeah. they, they will keep. They will do everything they can to consume you in some way. Dude, and that's it, that it, is inherently terrifying. It's barbecue. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're probably really happy. They finally had cooked meat. <laughs> yeah. That's that's another scene. Like where I said earlier, they're they only use music where it's effective. Like in that scene, you just hear the chomping, and that's ugh, that is very unsettling. And you get close-ups of you know the intest the supposed intestines and stuff of them like fighting, and you get like good close-ups of them like a uh, teeth going into like a liver stuff like that, like it, which was all covered in like Hershey's chocolate syrup, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. um, yeah. for the for the actors portraying these roles. 
It was like just meat covered in chocolate syrup, which sounds completely disgusting. <laughs> but, uh, I know what I'm having after this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we talk. You talk about um, the daughter stabbing the the mother at the towards the end of that. There's there's some zombie intelligence in this one that really kind of goes overlooked. Like the the first zombie, the graveyard zombie. Like he doesn't he like lift a rock and try to break it. Yeah, yeah. He tries oh, yeah. to get through the window. Like you can tell. Like yeah. you can see a thought process in his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, little little remnants that you know kind of get left behind with Dawn of the Dead, but then get re-explored in Day of the Dead. As uh, you have all kinds of experiments going on with the with the different. Uh, the well, that was like his uh, his progression of the zombies was they you know there's Night of the Living Dead, and then in Dawn of the Dead they're sort of go- doing their regular thing in the in the mall where mm-hmm. that's where they mm-hmm. go to. Day of the Dead was like trying to work on reinserting them into society somehow and then land of the dead they are they have gone back to their societal norms yeah. and but they're still zombies they'll still come get you they are they kill and the people they kill get up and kill and then in, in diary they just throw it all out the window and have because who cares shit, right shit diary dead. dead. <laughs> yeah they're uh they're all messed up yeah. and then uh george's favorite survival of the dead just keeps compounding on the awesome yeah. Okay, so <laughs> getting away from those terrible final entries of the uh, Romero's uh, of the Dead films, let's let's get just back to what we the good stuff we're talking about. Um, in addition to all the picks we made, do, do you guys have any uh, back any other uh, films that you had uh, potentially to talk about on your list that you want to quickly uh, list out? You know, I uh, we uh, you kind of grazed over it, but for me, I would say that Return of the Living Dead three. Yeah, I, yeah. I I kind of and I figured Brandon might you know follow me on this one because I know he's into that kind of stuff. The, the, especially the Scream Factory uh, re-release stuff and that kind of stuff. But that movie, there's something about that movie. You know, Brian Yuzna, who, of course, um, produced Reanimator and stuff, he directed that. And not only do I really like it, but Melinda Clark is the is kind of the zombie ingenue in the movie. And she is so good. And it's kind of a, a, a romance, you know, uh, um, between her and this guy. And she, But she's turning zombie, and so he has to kind of overlook that. And I, she is so good in that movie. And I... I there's just, you know, after being so disappointed in that second film, I, there's just something I really, really adore about that third movie. It's not perfect, but there's something really great about that third one. So I would recommend that one, too. I think it's it got some really up. disturbing stuff in the final yeah. act. Like, yeah. this, what they're doing to the zombies and the, the black guy that's like, yeah, has like the head thing. And, that's a bad one. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And just, just like the way he communicates. It's just, it's really just creepy in that army base. And yeah. it's, yeah, Basil it's Wallace. Yeah. Yes. That's I, yes. Yes. I I I I really have an affinity towards that movie. It was weird, and and like I said at the time, like that was like one of the last like zombie movies there was mm-hmm. forever. It was like the last or high profile or readily available. It was just like okay, here's a new zombie movie. It's Return of the Living Dead Three. Really has not much to do. You know, there are common themes with the first two in there, but it's its own thing, and it, and it takes chances to sort of like establish its own zombie rules and stuff and has has the balls to be that and that's why it sticks out now because it was a different something different yeah great one so yeah i would put that in there and we didn't even talk about reanimator at all yeah that was i was toying with talking about reanimator i figured I one of you was going to bring I figured it up. somebody would have it it's on my you know it's on my backup list in case you know i didn't mention and 
I was going back and forth on a couple to choose from, but I, I wanted to make some key key. I don't think at this point there's anybody on this planet who doesn't know what Reanimator is. I mean, it is so surprised. Really yeah. surprised. It is yeah. so yeah. iconic. Like it yeah, is... Reanimator is. <laughs> It's it's hilarious for one thing. I mean, it has some, <laughs> some of the best like dry humor that you'd ever find in a zombie movie is in Reanimator mm-hmm. because of because of um Jeffrey Combs' yeah. character, right? Uh, um, Herbert West. It's so yeah. And the, there's a lot to love in the the the, the effects of Reanimator. The kind of the the way the way we see things get reanimated essentially in the madcap insanity that ensues, especially towards the end when there's all or when the there's a lot of decapitated heads that do things you wouldn't expect in the reanimator. Right. Um, there's Pet Cemetery as well. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's a um, the Stephen King one about which I, which I which I do think has the best kind of death cry. You know, you know that death cry when somebody dies and they go no. I I think Pet Cemetery. From what I remember about Pet Cemetery, uh, the father. You know, when the when the little the little boy gets killed, I think that's one of the best, most ringing, most you know, gut wrenching yells when he, yeah. uh, he discovers his son. That's what I remember most about Pet Cemetery. So that was a good one. Yeah, and we didn't bring up the um, the first Evil Dead. Um, I had that on my backup list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, that. That's one of those that like are they zombies or are they possessed or they demons? I'm not really sure. And they never really explain it, but you don't have to. It's just. Well, what you know is that they they don't seem to be alive anymore. I mean, it's called the evil dead. dead. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and I mean, obviously, in the mythology of that series, they're deadites. So it's like, but but yeah, I think the the first one specifically, I do think has like a good um. There's a zombie vibe to it in the midst of the other kind of horror elements that are going on. Mm-hmm. We mentioned some of the other ones. We mentioned them in previous weeks, and just other ones that I like to give reference to. But like Slither came up. Mm-hmm. That was on my list. Shaun of the Dead was obvious. I I thought you might Day bookend um. Your the first show and the last show and pick Planet Terror to close out I, I Grindhouse. Thought, I thought about Planet Terror since I did choose Death Proof in the slasher movie uh, episode, um, and that is I mean it's a good example. I mean and it's also praised. That's another one where it's infected people. Like it is mm-hmm. it's based off like a terrorizing gas that yeah. <laughs> surrounds the there's the small town. Well, uh, my, my, used, my, 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 oh, go ahead. So gas is used for Return of the, of the Living Dead. So. Yeah, uh-huh, true. There's a uh, oh yeah. I was gonna say we talked about you know both Dawn of the Dead and its remake of like you know good movie and and good remake. But there's a uh, George Romero's uh, the Crazies and the Crazies remake. Yeah, that's that which was are both I was too, the both crazies. solid. I I I I like both Crazies movies, but the and the remake. I really wanted to like more. I was really hoping that'd be like the Dawn of the Dead of today or of that year. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like taking good, an older film like because the crazies uh, Romero's one, it's not great, no. but I do think it, it has a great like concept. It's got it good style. Ideas in it. The guy who played the original zombie, Bill Heinzman in uh, Night of the Living Dead, actually shot that movie, and uh, yeah. and I liked its style. It's it, it's something that o- is open to being remade. That's what. You know the original crazies. It's got to go. For sure, and I and I I think the the Breck Eisner crazies. I think it there's it has a solid cast for one thing. It's got you know Tim Oliphant in there. Love Tim Oliphant, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, um, he's doing his thing. You know, and among others in that movie. And I, I think there's some some great imagery, but over it just it doesn't quite reach the kind of the high that I was really hoping to get from it. But it, it's still you know it's still a, it's a solid watch for sure. It is it has some really tense moments um, as I recall as well. 
Uh, definitely, I, I would definitely put in, uh, you know, I do want to put it on my list because I had put it on Forgotten Friday Fake last week for your horror comedies, but definitely Dead Heat, which uh, features, you know, Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo, and Treat Williams, of course, dies and comes back. So it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's written by Terry Black, who, of course, is Shane Black's brother. Shane Black, known for, you know, his his very, you know, uh, quirky, you know, cop movies. And so Terry Black kind of, you know, has the cop movie, but at the same time throws in a, throws in a zombie undead cop. So it kind of mixes those two genres in a, in a kind of weird, wacky way. And uh, actually features Joe Piscopo being funny, because I'm not a huge Joe Piscopo fan. But I was going to say, in that movie, is. In that movie, though, he was pretty good. So I, I do. Any chance we can mention Joe Piscopo on a podcast with <laughs> zombies? Yeah. So, so even Joe Piscopo hates Joe Piscopo. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're saying it's uh, Dylan Dog Edge of Night? That would just nobody. Oh man, dead silence. I'm aware well, of the Dylan movie. Dog. I never saw it. Was, it. The, uh, the the Cemetery Man was actually written by the the person that created the comic book Dylan Dog yes, Edge of Night. Oh, right. wow, okay. There, so there you go over there. Yeah. Uh, Fido was another one. That I, I yeah, I had Fido on a backup list. I hadn't seen that one in so long. Billy, I was like, Billy I Connolly, yes. Billy Connolly is absolutely terrific in yes. Fido, which, yes. yeah. I like Carrie Ann Moss in that movie as well, too. That's a good one to double feature with uh, Pleasantville. <laughs> and then you could also, and then you could also do a double bill of Dead Snow and Dead Snow Red versus Dead. So you've got zombie... Yeah. Uh, Nazis, de- undead Nazi zombies. So I actually think Red versus Dead, the second one, is actually even be- way better than the original Dead Snow. I like the yeah, I like the idea of Dead Snow, but Dead Snow Red versus Dead is is, is a lot of fun. Uh, J- Jimmy O said the same last week when we brought it up. Before uh, Todd shot it down as uh, not liking either one of those films. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, I, uh, I I am a fan wow. of Dead Snow. I I do like that both Dead Snows. And I do think this. I do think the sequel, is, despite the, um, I'm not a big fan of the Martin. Uh, the the Martin Star stuff, right? Um, but I think that for the most part, I think there's some really fun ideas going on in Dead Snow, yeah. uh, Red versus Dead, because again, Nazi zombies. That's just great. <laughs> That's just good stuff. <laughs> any others, Colin? Did you have any others? Uh, I was just gonna say, um, the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse came out last year and kind of went out with a whimper, and I think that kind of stinks because it was a fun movie, and I, I <laughs> what I like about it, well. One of the things I like about it is that uh, David Keckner's character loves Dolly Parton, and it's just such an odd choice to make for a movie for someone to love Dolly Parton. And there's a, a great zombie fight scene set to 9 to 5, and man, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I know that movie came out along with the other Paranormal Activity movie where they like they got the, like, the, the VOD release at the same time as... Uh theatrical release so that really kind of sent it into the ground mm. also because you know it, they didn't get good reviews i mean that didn't help either but i mean <laughs> yeah um didn't get around to seeing it but uh yeah scouts guy i say it's uh, definitely worth watching once there's some some good jokes in it and it's more of people um creating wacky instruments of death for zombies which i am always in favor of guys it has been a pleasure to talk about zombie movies with you and as you know uh, Brandon, you've been on each one of these podcasts, and it's been, you know, it's been very, very awesome to do that. You know, these genre specials. Um, I, I think I hope to mm-hmm. think that you agree. Yeah, I know it's been great. These three, three years since. I mean, this is the third year we've started this, and every I look forward to it every year. It's it's great conversation every time. Yeah. So if, with all that said, as we wrap up here, where can people find more of your work online? We'll start with Brandon. Oh, I'm uh, I'm at cultcinemacavalcade.com, and. Uh, 
you can check us out. Uh, we we uh, drop our podcast bi-weekly, but right now we're in a streak of doing a lot of them in a row, continuing into like November, and we got a treat for you in November. So I call it a treat. Um, if you watch the movies along with us, it's probably not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jason Coleman, where can people find more of your work? Of course, I work with you guys at the at the great um, where I've uh, been having a wonderful time. Uh, I've been doing the encapsulated movie reviews, so I've literally been, and by doing that, I'm watching as many movies as I can, small, you know, uh, medium sized whatever. I, I really try to see as many films as I can, so you guys can can out there can you know uh, can judge and 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 see what kind of stuff is out there. Um, also, of course, Forgotten Friday flick every Friday that I put down there on Why So Blue. And um, also, uh, you can find us at uh, Flicks for Fans. Jimmy O and I do awesome events. Uh, we just did a premiere for his new film called The Harvesters. Um, so uh, you can check us out there at facebook.com slash flicks for fans. And I'm currently working on something. I can't say what it is, but I am super, super excited. If you actually go back to a couple of the posts, you can see a picture from it, so you kind of know what I'm doing. But, um, but we're, I'm working hard to try and get a new, uh, a new thing out. But, yeah, uh, whysoblue.com. Colin Bricker. Um, also on Cult Cinema Cavalcade. We've got the website, cultcinemacavalcade.com. We're on Twitter, CC Cavalcade. Um, our next episode comes out Monday. Yes, uh, where we talk about the... WNUF Halloween special. That's a very hidden gem um, that we'll be talking about. Uh, you can find me over at thecodazeek.com. All my written movie reviews are over there, as well as on whysoblue.com, of course. You can also find me on writing daily over at screenrant.com and on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Um, and you can find all the other episodes of this podcast, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, over at, now, over at uh, iTunes and on Audioboom. You can email us your thoughts on uh, any of the zombie movies we talked about. You can email us your favorite zombie movie at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your favorite zombie movie um, write a, and give us a reason why. Um, we've had a number of people writing in, actually, get some emails. And at the well, the, well now, we, uh, currently, <laughs> basically in the next week or so, I'll take all these emails. I'll put, them in, put the names into a hat, draw, draw out some winners. And, and set it on something. fire. Nice. Set it on fire. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And yeah, we yeah, love so that, man. Tell us. Tell me a movie that I haven't seen that I could look forward to. I love that. Exactly. Yes. Please, please feel free to email. Email in. I should have mentioned that at the the top of the episode. But yeah, yeah. Email in. Um. And yeah, you're going to be entered automatically into a contest to win something. Um. You can find us on our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash/outnowpodcast, and our Twitter page, twitter.com/slash/outnow underscore podcast. You know how to find our show. We're all over the place. Um. Uh, but again, thank you, Brandon, Jason, and 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 Cullen for joining me to talk about zombie movies this week. Oh, thank you. Any, anytime Ape isn't available, I can be around. That's <laughs> always a good reason. It has been a pleasure to talk, talk about zombie movies with you guys, though, and it's been great to do these uh, bonus episodes. I hope the listeners have been enjoying these as well. It's been fun to go over various genres of horror, and yeah, I think you know because there's so many genres, we might come back with the same idea next year and just do five new genres. But uh, until that day, and until next time, um, that's going to do it for this week's bonus podcast episode. So until then. Uh, so long and goodbye. <laughs>